And you're listening to WTF and Vonadeal, a show made by Degenerate Apes for Degenerate Apes with Spicy and... The Fox Danger. And today we're joined by our exquisite and special guest... Hi, I'm a Nero. You may know me from such shows as Limit Break Radio. The way you did that uh, actually takes me back because that's like the one thing I remember from that show that I may have listened to one time in the past forever. Oh, well, I would hope that people haven't forgotten my voice. I know that it's been a while since I've, you know, talked about Final Fantasy XI. So I'm excited to, to be here. Thanks for asking me, uh, asking me to do this. Yeah, today we're covering nostalgia. And uh, I just figured I'd mentioned a few times in different podcasts that I had someone in mind I had to find to ask. And Anira was that person that I thought would be perfect to come on for nostalgia for, you know, whatever reason. I didn't think he'd say yes. And... <laughs> I, I don't I, know why you think I would say no. Well, I mean, I, I don't know. I really don't know you. Nobody knows anybody. You still, you know, you, you just muddle it through and figure it out. That is, <laughs> I can, I can understand the shot in the dark, though. I mean, it's not like you'll just like walk up to somebody on the street and go, "Hey, hey, you, you want to be on a podcast?" <laughs> I, I just start doing that, just walk into the mall or something. Oh God. Uh, uh, I worked as a producer in radio for years and years. That is literally what you do. You walk up to somebody on the street and you go, hey, you want to be on the radio? Hey. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, there's that. And then you also call very famous people and go, hey, do you want to be on my radio show you've never heard of? It can be awkward sometimes. It's like, hey, you want to be on the Howard Stern show? You know, very few people ever said no to that, uh, to that opportunity. But like, uh, it's, it's, like, it's much more difficult when you're like, hey, you want to be on the baloney and, and butt crack show? And they're like, no, I don't. <laughs> I want to be in the baloney and butt crack show, but that's no surprise. <laughs> or, or literally, literally the, there was a uh, morning show in the college town uh, that I went to that was called Free Beer and Hot Wings. And I'm like, oh, that's just so gratuitous. But then it turns out one of the dude's names was Free Beer and the other one was Hot Wings. And I'm like, well, I guess you got me there. Oh, boy. Yeah, but I, I put my Oscar Mayer wiener right between those bologna and butt cheeks. <laughs> so in order to... And I have to uh, post the bail. That's great. <laughs> Thanks, Fox, for being the responsible adult in the room. Yeah, no worries. Um, so in order to ask Nero, the only way I knew how to contact him was to wait for him to go on stream on his uh, his Twitch thing, which I don't ever do Twitch, and I don't, you know... It'd be helpful if I just, like, checked for, uh, you know, when you subscribe and it tells you you're active, you follow him. It would have helped if I just did that, too, which I did follow, yeah. but I don't check emails for that, for that account. So I just would kind of every... I would say, oh, I'm going to ask someone, guys, we'll do a nostalgia episode someday, and, like, weeks had passed, and I would check, like, once every week, and he's like, oh, I missed them, and there's a recording of you on the exercise bike, I go, oh, I just missed them. <laughs> I'm glad you missed me on that one. That's, yeah. that's fine. That's fine. I usually I do those as a reward for people uh, subscribing. So that's it's usually there's there's some sort of humiliation involved. So I don't know why people like watching me ride my stationary bike. I think it's weird and voyeuristic. But hey, you know what? Whatever. I think, I think you covered it right there. Voyeuristic. Yeah, that's that's exactly how. But you know what? People people like it. I guess I don't know. So maybe they're, maybe they're like, "Hey, this fat guy can do it." Like it, maybe I can too. I I don't I don't know. So I finally caught you one night 
uh, within the last week because I, I asked you within a matter of days of the podcast. I'm like, hey, there you are. You want to come on? <laughs> and I waited around up late that night for you to finish. I didn't want to interrupt you. You were doing your, your slapped ham thing where you were watching videos of Bigfoot and shadows and UFOs and, yep. and oh, yeah. ghost raptors. And yes, ghost raptors. Yep. <laughs> ghost. Yep. And uh, ghost pants. There's been there's been a pair of ghost pants. I don't know if you saw that, but that was interesting. I did not see the ghost pants. I'm, I'm gonna have to know a little bit more about this. What's going on? All right. So um if if you if you like this kind of thing, twitch.tv slash limit break radio. Uh I came back to to Twitch uh earlier this year. Uh maybe it was late in 2020, but anyway. Uh, uh, after uh, being uh, absent from the channel, not the platform, absent from the channel for about two years, uh, I came back and uh, started streaming some Final Fantasy XIV so that I could uh, catch up with Shadowbringers. And because uh, I knew people would want to see me stream that, they, pro- I, you know, I I play I I play a lot of um, WWE 2K19 and Fallout 76. Two games that people pretty much don't really want to watch you play. Like, they're just like, like, I, don't, I think it's just the bad reputation around Fallout 76. Uh, but WWE 2K19, there's like four people who are like, yeah, I really want to see you beat that guy up for the 700th time. Hey, don't sell so, yourself short. There's certain people who uh, stream nonstop on an old game called Eleven and are very true cringe inducing, and they have quite the number of followers and a cult. Well, don't don't hey don't don't underestimate me yet because we did figure out a way to stream uh 2k19 that is interesting I'll, I'll get to that in a second but um so after streaming uh some 14 uh a very nice guy by the name of avix rim uh was uh was very generous and uh donated for me to uh to to play final fantasy 11 again and uh, so to honor his request, I reactivated my character on Odin. And to my surprise, a couple of, uh, of my friends from way back in the day uh, had uh, not, too, not too long previous to that started playing again. So all four of us started playing together and uh, it was a good time. Uh, I, I've enjoyed coming back to, to Final Fantasy XI. So... Um, yeah, streaming fi- uh, Final Fantasy fourteen, Final Fantasy eleven, some Fallout seventy six, uh, suck it haters, and, uh, <laughs> and we've we've figured out. Uh, so we do this thing uh, called Super Universe uh, for WWE two K nineteen. I mod the absolute living crap out of uh, WWE two K nineteen because I'm anal retentive and I I like everything to be up to date. Anyway, so what we've done is we started our own sort of like fantasy league where we just let the computer go. And uh, myself, uh, uh, my good friend uh, Will Cherry, and my other good friend uh, Chuck Bean, we sit around and we are the 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 JR and Tony Schiavone. We're just calling the action. Oh, We're no. not playing it. We're just <laughs> reacting to it. And uh, it's, a, it's, dude, it's a lot of fun. It's really, you know, uh, silly and uh, and and we have a, a whole lot of fun with it. So uh, we do the we do that on Saturday every Saturday at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern. But uh, yeah, that's all over at Twitch.tv/LimitBreakRadio. It doesn't matter where it is. It doesn't matter what he said. Uh, I'll tell you something, Mean Gene. And you know the cream rises to the top. 
Oh, that was a part of our, our podcast intro for years. <laughs> that that exact Randy Savage drop. I was uh, like, I've been, you know, like I've been a fan of 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 wrestling. Not like a diehard fan, but like just kind of like aware. I think, I think there's a, a lot to learn about uh, media through wrestling. Like, you know, things that are compelling in wrestling are compelling because they're naturally compelling. Not because necessarily there are two dudes in underwear in a boxing ring that are pretending to have a fight. Um, it's the storytelling around it that tends to be uh, the most interesting part of it. And um, yeah, I, I've applied a lot of what I've observed through wrestling to what I've done in podcasting. And a lot of times people don't really understand the connection between the two, but there, it's theatrics. It is. It literally is. Yeah. Um, anytime you know you're you're kind of like either portraying a character or just even like an amped up version of yourself. There's, there's a lot of that theatrics that exists in, in wrestling as well. So yeah, a lot of, uh, uh, I've applied a lot of that to a lot of the shows that I've made. Speaking of two guys in uh, underwear, we are two pantsless dudes here ourselves. This is a no pants zone. I don't know if you're on board with that, but I'm in shorts. That's close enough, right? Eh, that's half of the way there. So that's, that's good enough. But that gets us into our thing. We're getting away from here. How you doing Fox? Yeah, I'd have Sam doing pretty good. I've uh, like as far as uh, out of game goes, I'm just still uh, applying to schools around here for uh, for bachelors and uh, you know dealing with the financial aid stuff. Um, aside from that, uh, like in game, I've actually picked up Samurai since our last episode. Really? Not even Blue Mage? Yeah. Well, no, no, I've, I still do Blue Mage things because I well I do all the things, which is something no one should ever do. But uh, I, I've actually uh, I've actually dabbled a little bit more in samurai, and I found that like even though samurais are known for for spamming fudo, I, I don't know why they do that because all of their other weapon skills do more damage. <laughs> oh boy! So I've you know been, we already did collecting... the, the samurai episode last week. We can't do a samurai. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna go like super deep on that, but I, I'm I just, being facetious. It's baffling me. Yeah, well, for real. But <laughs> I I don't know. It's uh, when you when you walk up. To like Singbuya or like some other like NM or something, and you and you slap it with like Tachi Jinpu, and it just falls down dead uh, because you just did cap damage. Um, I don't really understand why you would use other weapon skills in situations where you can just do that. So, and of course, you know that's lower level stuff, but I've I found it's just worked on like all content that I've just walked into. So I'm just kind of gonna see where the limits are on that job. Um, but other than that, uh, just standard i'm in game just doing some sort of derp on some job i probably shouldn't even be on sort of thing uh how about you man uh how you been doing oh boy so no fruit beer tonight <laughs> yeah instead it is the 50th episode and we have our esteemed uh guest so i pulled out so every every closet i have is a wine closet it may have chemicals for cleaning uh, above the wine racks or towels or something, but every closet, when you open it, has racks for wine, you know, at the bottom of the closet. You know, the shelves are above it. So every every closet is a wine closet. But I went into the wine fridge, the temperature-controlled wine fridge. Not, it's not a fridge. It's just a wine. It, it's temperature-controlled, so it's like it's 27 Celsius. It, it's like 57 degrees Fahrenheit in there. Um, and I pulled out the special half bottle of wine. From uh, it uh, it comes off Österreich. It's an Austrian vine, and it is very, it is very special. It is from uh, 
Heiligenstein, which is Saint Stone. It is like this area of uh, uh, sandstone and volcanic rock. It's uh, it's a very fancy like, and I keep smelling it. Like I haven't had it, I just keep smelling it, and it's it's like it's the most exciting thing I think uh, in my day so far. Nothing has gotten me this excited, you know. I think I got a half chub right now. I don't know if I'm sad for you right now, or if I really just want some wine. Also, oh, it's really good. It's 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 a premier crew wine, so it's it's well, it's not literally premier yeah. crew, but you know, it's funny we have something in common because in my apartment, every closet can also be a bathroom, depending on how drunk you are. So, <laughs> you know, there you go. Multi-functional closet space. I like it. Why use a closet for that? You can go right in the corner. Yeah, exactly. Funny stuff. Like, why, why not just take it a step further and just start installing drains in every single one of them? Makes it a lot easier. That's a lot of that's a lot of work. You could put a cat box in the corner or something. Yeah, yeah. I've found that right. out. We had a Go guy on. in our link shell back when we had a dynamus link shell um, when magnanimous was a thing, and his name was Mugoat. Sorry, Mugoat. And he had some stories. One story was that he got drunk over this chick's house. She had kids and everything, and he was banging her. Of course, that's what you do. And he got drunk and peed in her corner. Just, like, got up and peed on her carpet by the dresser in the corner. I don't know why. We didn't ask. It's Mugoat. If you knew him, you wouldn't ask, because it's just Mugoat. And, uh, so, it, you know... Did she say anything? Like, that's... <laughs> I think he just left, like, like... I Actually, no, no, he said... I remember that. He said that she cleaned it up and said she's used to having to take care of, like, kids having accidents or whatever. It, I, that's so weird. Is that like a dominance thing? Like that's uh, my no, corner. no. He was just drunk. It's like thanks. Nobody else can have it. Thank, thanks for the lay. I uh, went and pissed in your corner behind the dresser, <laughs> you know. But then later on, a week later, he goes, "I'm going out with that chick again." I go, "Wait." So she cleaned up your pee off the carpet after a one night stand, and you're going to bang her again, and she wants that. And uh, you know, that's that's you know that story made me get there. So. Other, otherwise, I finished Vajra a couple nights ago. It's now 75. Woohoo me. Yay! Yeah, I, I would be more excited, but it's Steve. Dude, dude, dude. It's, 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 it's really good, okay? It, it changes how you play Thief. It turns it into a functional job, okay? All right, I'll just have to go with it. Well, that's a long way to go to make that job functional. It is. Oh, this one's very good. Um, otherwise... Uh, real life, just struggling, struggling to, uh, you know, deal with my uh, maladaptive coping uh, techniques of, you know, not overly internalizing or isolating myself and causing myself to be irritable as a result towards my wife. You know, the typical things you, uh, you know, you don't want to do because, you know, your friend leaves their job or they move away again, another one. And now you got no friends because all three of them have moved. You know, and you know, when you feel alone, it's not a good thing to internalize everything. So don't do that, people. It's not a not a good thing to do. Otherwise, um, got banned from the subreddit. That that was good. That's my last thing of how I'm doing. Got banned from the subreddit, which was great. And it's funny because I got banned for ban evasion because I had been banned years ago off the subreddit. But it wasn't like it was. They didn't know who I was. Then, you know, you ban Spicy Ryan and Spicy Sock is posting. The account was two and a half years old with 1,500 rate-ups. So it's not like they didn't know the guy who says, I'm Spicy Ryan as Spicy Sock and posts the pod- <laughs> the podcast stuff <laughs> to- and says, I'm the guy who did this and that. They know who I am. So they-, they decided to ban me because there was a trend a few nights ago on the Reddit 
of everyone making an AMA just randomly. First, it started off one night with this guy. I was part of the world's first kill of Dynamis Lord. Ask me anything. So then someone made one to make fun of them, I suppose. Um, I used to kill steel bumbly Bernie Pops on Asura. Ask me anything. And then within hours of that one being made, someone goes, back when it was called Pandemonium Server, all these are all different people. I used to farm wild onions killing goblin thugs in their to our ruins. Ask me anything. So then another person made another one at some point, and then I decided to make one because I'm, I'm just going to win this contest. And I walk in, Final Fantasy XI, Zam, as in Alakazam forums, auctionhouse.com, three times, Reddit, etc. I've been banned from more things than you, ask me anything. And I posted this glorious message, to, you know, because I'm doing what everyone else is doing. This isn't special. I put, hello, I am three and a half years old, and I like to eat snacks while editing your wiki or talking into a mic for 49 episodes without any pants on. I have also played since 2006, but sometimes wear pants. As far as I know, this along with the title makes me the first human in the world to be such a human. I have been encouraged by the recent surge of AMA threads on this subreddit and wanted to contribute as well. Within like 10 minutes, I was banned <laughs> permanently. Good for you. Uh, it's good. I support. I support Reddit bannings. That was good. I've never. I've never gotten along with with Reddit. I. I think. Uh, I don't think that I've, I was ever banned, but I did have uh, a single thread that it was like seven hundred and thirty some odd comments uh, uh, that were all shitting on me. So you know, I'm. I'm pretty proud of that one. Oh, I mean, last time I was there, I read the Reddit reviews of our thing where it said, Spicy is masterclass and boring, and other things about how it's this is the worst drivel and the worst thing ever. So I have all these people talking shit to me on there, and the day before this, someone was in the Dragoon thread spreading misinformation, not a Dragoon thread, but someone was asking for professional Dragoon help, and I wrote the Dragoon guide. So I, I yeah. would hope that I'm qualified to talk about Dragoon, hopefully. And I'm in there, and someone's, sorry, you can, you can go. No, I was I was saying you would think that you would be. Yeah. I, <laughs> sometimes I don't know, but I'm in there and the person spreading misinformation that uh, the mythic is essentially equivalent in damage no matter what at R15 to Trishula, which is blatantly just false. And it's it was so categorically wrong, it wasn't even... And so I'm just like, no, you're wrong, this and that. And it got to the point where obviously I don't play Dragoon. Uh, obviously you don't know anything, play Dragoon and then talk to me and, you know, get good, you're terrible at this game, you don't know how to play Dragoon. And it's like, then someone comments, he wrote the guide on Dragoon, and they're like, well, he sucks. And he's like, so someone, you know, I have, and that's, that was an isolated incident, I have like half a dozen people on there, some blatantly following me around and talking shit to me and, and harassing me against the rules, and, and I take it in stride because, you know, whatever. And they nothing falls of these people, but I get banned. Because, you know, whatever. So as a result, as of a few hours ago before this podcast, I went and put a request into Reddit to take control of the r slash Final Fantasy XI because the one everyone uses is r slash FFXI. It's, uh, there's a dormant one named that. And as of that, uh, well, a few hours ago, I put in the request for that. And if I get denied the request because it's completely empty, the person who owns it is banned from Reddit and no one's ever posted in it. So it's a no brainer. It should be handed over. That's what they do. But someone had asked recently and was denied. So if I get denied, we have taken Final Fantasy 1-1, we've taken uh, FF 1-1, and Vonadil, and then as well uh, FF EXEYE. <laughs> those are, if that fails, we have one of those and we will start using those. And we're, I intend to 
throw it on the main page of BG that come to the uh, the subreddit that actually has mods that they care whatever. And we'll we'll see how far this can go. It could be very interesting. But I'll, you, I'll, age, you age some strange battles. I, I didn't intend to do this. I, I kind of walked into it because I reflected on the matter and and there's a whole thing there about how I said. Uh, maladaptive coping, you know, and I thought about it and I don't consider myself to be very arrogant, but I am full of disdain and scorn. And those are rather synonymous with arrogance. And I'm like, you know, what did I even get banned for this time? And I'm like, you know, the same thing I got banned for last time, having disdain towards the Reddit posters, which we've covered Reddit many times. And there's great reason to have disdain to certain individuals there. And that is, that is of no surprise. So, and I'm like, you know, Fuck it. We'll have our own blackjack and hookers and blow, and we'll have our own thing, because there's, like, one active mod there. Resif, the one in charge of it, just owns every subreddit related to it and anything he can to get, you know, the ins with SE and get all the credit and the attention from the devs and what, for any game that he feels like. So he's just sitting on the subreddit, and he's not doing anything with it. It's on autopilot, and there's, like, one active mod and nothing else that was on there. So I think we can do better than that, and we can have... Uh, a better subreddit for this game. So it's like, fuck it, let's do it. So that that's eleven deserves a real subreddit. Yes. So that's how I'm doing. So to summarize, in line with the theme today, you're nostalgic for the days when you could post on internet forums. Well, I mean, to be fair, the reason we had Eric's, which is my favorite little German <laughs> on the show, is because I posted that's on true. Reddit that hey, I would like people to come on who wants to come on, and I've been thrilled to have him on. And other people and topics and comments and things have been... I only went back to Reddit for this show, essentially, because it's an avenue of which to uh, interact with people that watch the show, get feedback, comments. And a lot of people have found the show from that. Not that I'm trying to ruthlessly self-promote the show. I didn't even like when we were on the main page of BG. I made a comment in our early days about how I was uncomfortable with what I saw was an abusive power of self-promotion. So, you know, but it was to interact with those people. So... It's like, okay, I'll just make another one because you let me do it for two and a half years anyway and gave me 1,500 rate-ups and knew who I was. So I'm actually just do it anyway. I don't care. But instead of that, instead of socking around, why not just have our own? Yeah, plus you wouldn't want people thinking that all those BG dollars were going to funding a podcast, you know? Yeah, yeah. Heaven forbid. Yeah. But now that I've sucked all the air out of the room, <laughs> let's, let's get into it, I suppose. Oh, wait, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I do this every time we have a guest, and Funk's going to comment on this because I do it to Funk all the time and we just move on. Aniro, how are you doing? Well, uh, I seem to be in the middle of uh, the storm of the century at the moment. Uh, I'm sort of glad that uh, I am currently doing this on my phone and on a headset. So I'm sure that you know people who are familiar with who I am probably wondering, like, a Nero, why do you sound like you're on a telephone? Well, it's because I am. Um, there is a uh, particularly bad storm uh, that is rolling through right now. So far, the power hasn't gone out, but it has blinked a couple of times, so... Um, That'd be death for equipment. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to roll the dice of running equipment in that. So, um, for, out, of, out of an abundance of caution... Uh, I, I am, uh, using my phone tonight, but outside of that, um, doing okay, I guess, um, in game, uh, I have not played a whole lot recently, um, 
my Odyssey static uh, recently uh, kind of disbanded, and that was huh. sort of the last the last organized thing that I was really working on. Um, I've I've kind of gotten everything that I've needed out of um, Omen, uh, and so you know, there's just like especially for Dark Knight, I've I've ticked a lot of of you know sort of like my my uh goal boxes uh when it comes to dark knight um you know i i ag'd my imperian weapon thanks to the help of ice i'm not sure if ice listens to the show but uh shout out to ice um and uh yeah i've i've even got like a an aegis that i've been working on for a little bit so um you know got the got that paladin uh, that's going on. I don't think I've ever used it, uh, it like ever in an event, but it's like a fairly well geared paladin so far. Um, outside the game, uh, not a whole lot. Uh, this is sort of like my my busy season when it comes to work. Um, so uh, I I work in in public radio currently, and uh, the the really busy time is around fundraisers, and uh, we're about to hit our uh, our fall fundraiser. So um it is uh it's it's just starting to 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 get a little bit uh busier which is why i haven't been streaming as much uh recently so to my dismay um say what to my dismay yeah yeah sorry about that uh i had a couple of uh art shows to go and uh record interviews at so um but yeah hopefully uh once you know once we move into october my um uh, my, uh, uh, schedule will start to settle down and my stream schedule will start to pick back up a little bit more. Um, I do have a new podcast that's going to be coming out, uh, hopefully at the end of this month called, uh, let's play daily gaming news with Nate Bender, which that's me, if you didn't know. Um, and it's going to be a like five minute rundown of stuff you know gaming news uh stuff that's in the headlines uh monday through friday so uh make sure you search uh you know apple podcast spotify all that other kind of good stuff um and also we've been working on bringing the limit break radio archives back online so uh got a lot of different irons in the fire going right now i had tortellini for dinner <laughs> <laughs> So <laughs> all these irons in the fire. I had tortellini and took out a special bottle of wine. That's that's uh, that's about as good as my life gets, and that's I'm fine with that. Can't go wrong with tortellini. Uh, I forgot also to give a shout out to uh, Zordigier, um of Asura. It's it's Sorgi, but I asked him. So I'll I'll tell you what happened first. I was finishing Vajra. I was getting my last pox into the Saramea hide to actually go trade to the tombstone, da 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 da, and get it. And I didn't have one, so I'm going through by myself forever. If I need to get Zenny, this and that, I'm running around. And the last thing is a Saramea hide, and I'm running by to fight the troll, the last tier three I need. Cormasar uh, Ball Sack, whatever the hell his name is. <laughs> and and I see this guy riding a mount, because I, I warped in through the Void Watch warp, which puts you near the Halvung zone, you know, not too far from the, um, the, the point in from White Gate, whatever that's called, the, the Rune of Transference thing. Um, and I saw him running there, and I'm like, this guy's running the Saramea right now. And I thought to myself, what are the odds he only needs credit for, like, the trial? He killed three of them. I'm like, let me ask. And I asked this guy, and he's like, yeah, I just need the trial. You can take the, the hide. And I'm like, ah, oh, yes, score! 
Nice. And so uh, Sorgi there, which gave me the item, and I said, so do I pronounce your name in an Eastern European sort of fashion? So he said, yes. So I go, it is Sorgi. I assume maybe he's Russian. I don't know. Could be, you know, from Moldova. I don't know. But that's that. And the other thing I forgot to mention is, I forgot to mention it last podcast too, when you said in October your thing starts. In October, Carrot and I are going to Germany for three weeks. So the first, the end of the first week till the start of the last week of uh, October will be there. So what that means is we're going to be away for like three weeks. And what that means is uh, I'm going to go off the reservation in order to make filler episodes. Fox will go on his staycation and not have to do anything because I don't make Fox record three episodes in a row between our normal recording schedule until then. Because we're just going to do what we normally do Saturdays, Tuesdays lately uh, for our, our show. But if anyone wants to come on and do your life story or something that's not crap and don't worry because if you're comparing yourself to us you've already done it wrong because we're well below you you're, you're much better so if anyone wants to come do something interesting of note with this game on a one-on-one with me as a filler episode to make sure that you know this amazing content you all crave is still available while i am in my uh leader hosing with sauerkraut down my pants then 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 send me a message and email wtfandvonadeal.gmail.com. Maybe you can go to one of the new subreddits we've recently acquired, or just, you know, you can find us in the Discord. It's in, it's linked to everything. Just join us there. Discord's fun anyway. All right. Nostalgia. Nostalgia. And one of the things you said in Eros that, that kind of I, I wanted to latch on to to kick off the nostalgia thing is I, I actually I actually do miss events with more than six people because you said you had some issue with your your uh, odyssey static and Mm -hmm. i know that whenever you have like larger scale events like missing a person or two um wasn't really like the end of the world and and it's it's still held true like like all this time and now we end up with all this six-man content like odyssey and every single time like one person's out you either have to like shout to replace somebody or you know it, it becomes an ongoing thing and then like the rest of the static starts to fall apart or you know that sort of deal and something that i personally have to deal with all the time uh running a group so i, I guess that's one of the things that 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 mostly uh triggered in my mind it's just hey I, I miss being able to do content with more than just six people and you know not having everything fall apart you know if one person's kid has the sniffles or something you know yeah, I mean, I, I I very much remember Dynamis runs and um, you know, uh, uh, larger HNMs, uh, that kind of stuff, where it was like you know you had you had a big group of potential people, big enough in some instances where where there would be people who would be left out sometimes, right? Um, you know, where you know it was just there, there's there's a, a full alliance. We're good. We don't need a, uh, anything more. Um, you know, Sky was like that uh, way back in the day too, and um, yeah, you know, I I I understand what you mean. I think that that has been a, uh, if I had to guess, a mostly conscious design choice because mostly we, you know, the the devs can't count on larger ser- uh, you know, large server populations. I mean, you know, most of the content that I've run since coming back to the game has contained one, if not two people who are playing, you know, they're multi-boxing, you know, they're playing uh, multiple characters. So I think like, you know, even, even six people in some instances is kind of a big ask, uh, of a, especially in a game this old. 
Yeah, and that's a common trend you see now too. Is like there'll just be one person playing an entire party, and you know because of that, it causes other trends to trickle on down the road, uh, trickle on right. down the line and stuff. Um, whatever gets you through the content. But I mean, if you, if you think about it, like if you get enough of those people, like three people controlling parties of six, you still have an alliance, right? <laughs> so right, yeah, yeah, know. that's that's true. But yeah, like, like what what even would take an alliance to do these days? Like, I can't. I don't think that there's any content that would that would even take a full alliance. Divergence was the last thing. Yeah, Yeah, be dynamic divergence, and even then, you don't need a full alliance for that. In fact, I have a lot of experience having at least a part, a full party of uh, people who aren't even there um, standing (laughs) around. So, yeah, yeah, and I can understand the design choice, you know decisions too because if there aren't enough players at the same time doing the same things or, or even on the, the right jobs to support that that much content uh, you know bringing it down to six people makes it so that your average person can participate in more things uh, right. more content but at the same time it makes scheduling things very difficult as well because we're all adults now like we we aren't you know children graduating from high school <laughs> who right. can play this game infinitely like uh some of these topics on here indicate and because of that like we have to schedule around our adult lives and when that happens like one person drops out all of a sudden like the rest of the scheduling's off and it just goes crazy from there so that's wow. why i miss those things but it's also kind of like a, just a sign of the time you know it's, that, that's that's how our player base is aged at this point I'll have you know, I'm only three and a half years old, and I edit your wiki while eating snacks with no pants on. Oh, thank you. I appreciate your uh, your commitment to that service. I'm not an adult. I'm just three. But uh, in terms of, I mean, we mentioned Reddit before, in terms of nostalgia, that's all that it goes on on the 11 subreddit is repeat questions and nostalgia. So it is one of the biggest topics. There was, in fact, a... You know, after we decided to do this and had a Nero and everything booked, there was actually a thread on the 11 subreddit. Go figure, it's nostalgia. But it was actually uh, called Back in My Day, and it had actually a lot of the random things we would go into here. I'll probably mention some of them, I guess, because I never had the the whole darter and spider problem because I never did H&Ms. I know the darters were around Fafnir, but I guess that's what we'll end up starting is on the whole uh, combat and content of things, the quality of life and social dynamics we'll, we'll touch on later, or everything's going to get mixed in with everything, I'm sure, because that's what happens with this. But, I mean, did did you do H&M's, Nero? I mean, I didn't. I think, I don't remember if Fox did. We've talked about it, but I don't remember. You know, I I didn't do, if I did, I did very, very little of them, and it was like, like one of my friends who had been, uh, who was like way more hardcore, was like, Hey, come along and see if you can hit, you know, Fafnir or something. Um, it, it, yeah, like uh, it, it. It was one of those things where, like, I remember a lot of the early H and M drama uh, because I was kind of a little pleb, going like, "Oh, that's so cool! I can't wait till I can, you know, uh, have one of my guild leaders call me a." 5.30 in the morning so that it's my turn to go camp Fafnir. This is sounding a lot less fun as I say it out loud. That's because it wasn't fun. Uh, yeah, no, I, I realize that. Uh, and and so, yeah, like, uh, after we had started doing Limit Break Radio and started talking to a lot of the people in in sort of the, like, endgame communities and 
H&M's was just something that ever really uh, interested me, which is, you know, that's one of the things about FF11 that is still true to this day is the variety, the sheer variety of content um, that exists between, you know, uh, you know, H&M's and assaults and, um, you know, uh, God, uh, Omen and Odyssey, Uh, you know, there's just, there's a bajillion different things uh, to do in, in FF 11. Um, you know, it was kind of nice to be like, yeah, you know, I don't think I need to bother with any of that shit ever. Um, you're better off for you. H and M's, H and M's were not exactly my bag. I did do H and M's and the, the whole like darker drama and all that stuff. I, I was one of the players who would sit around at those camps for hours, hoping someone would claim a darter. So we would have something to do. <laughs> and also at the same time it got really exciting because if if like you because we had it down to like weird things like micro windows and all this all this other garbage so if there was like a five minute period where like people decided to go to the bathroom or possibly grab a sandwich or, or something like that um if someone decided to just randomly attack a darter like you could come back and and just see like most of your alliance dead and then all of a sudden like your link shell looked like a fool afterwards and everything but at least it was exciting right yeah but yeah i i i do not i am not nostalgic for that at all <laughs> oh you and, and what's that i was gonna say do you, you i didn't want to cut you off but it sounded like you were done for a second i was gonna say do you recall like uh spies and link shells trying to get the tod like wearing different link no, pearls no. and popping in it's like you claimed it or whatever or just like having different people remember having people stalk different link shells getting a pearl somehow and then stalking it for tod's so i was on um i was on cerberus and then hades and we had like pretty big link shells uh, we had lord of the legion and excellence and everything out there and my link shell um we were uh, my first day um we operated sort of like a subset of of excellence in a way and it was I, I never really saw any of that going on. Like, like, I guess you would hear about it, but you know, with with as much H and M activity existed back then, I, I just didn't ever see it. I honestly, you could tell when when people when like certain pops would be up because certain pops were more valuable than others. And when it came to H and M's, it was like thirty percent about your link shells reputation and seventy percent about making sure people got paid so that they could make their relic weapons and that's that's really all there was to it like occasionally someone actually wanted an e-body for themselves which would be like the armada hobbard um but uh it was mostly just about making sure that you could get the cash for everybody and uh i I don't know it it wasn't um it, it still wasn't about people like spying for those sorts of things but because one of those mobs would be like so much more important than another all of a sudden you would see people just like leave this camp and if you saw people leave a different camp for you could just assume like the next H&M in the line was up and you could just kind of find out that way. And basically no one ever snuck anything by like, like the most you would ever see is and eventually the GMs came down on this. Just SE just came down on it as a, as a whole is people used to hold it yes. through certain windows. Yeah. To make sure yeah. it was an inconvenient time. Um, like if they knew they were competing against like an NA link shell or JP link shell, that sort of thing, like you'd see people hold it for that reason. And th- those were just ridiculous holds. Um, but outside of that stuff, like that's the most tampering you really ever saw besides just people trying to MPK or just straight up steal the mob. Did anyone ever sell like TODs to the thing? I don't remember if that was a thing or not. 
no. Any anyone stupid enough to buy a TOD was probably not going to be part of my group. <laughs> well, I mean, I didn't mean your group doing it. That's been it's a general thing. But I, I just never saw it. Like I never paid attention to anyone who wasn't worthwhile because basically if like my group or those other two groups that i mentioned like claimed a nidhog for example on that server they were probably going to die and then it was a matter of who's going to claim it next so yeah for reference so i never we didn't do this at the onset of everything uh i played since uh june of 2006 so i always felt like i came to the game late because i came with the xbox launch because go xbox fucking garbage and uh <laughs> you've both of you have played, or I, I think I've played more continuously because I've never really taken a break from this game. Maybe a, a couple months back in the 75 days or something, but I never took breaks from this game. I mean, if I didn't play it for a couple weeks or something, that's like that was like a break. But I never like unsubscribed or anything to that effect. But I came late, in my opinion, and in, in halfway through 2006. But you guys are well before that. Yeah, yeah I mean... I I, I picked it up uh, while I was still in high school, and I graduated in 2003. So I, I know I had picked mine up not long after North American launch. But, you know, I, I don't think I hit 75 until, God, 2007? I mean, we were well into producing Limit Break Radio, and Limit Break Radio started in 2006. So, you know... It was it's, it was one of those things. It was one of those things where it was like it that took a, a legitimately long time. It's funny you mention that because a lot of those people who in game will will just like randomly say that they've been playing for so long, like they want to like the, like they want you to acknowledge the fact that hey, you're old school too, man, and that's valid. Uh, but but those people, what what you what you don't hear from them is what you just said in that it takes you a while to get the 75 back then. And a lot of people oh, yeah. lose sight of that. So all of these people who like pretend like they're really hardcore players, like you weren't really a hardcore player until probably about two ish, maybe a year if you're really good, but like two ish years after you started playing. That's correct. Because yeah, yeah. yeah because yeah. you weren't participating in that content. Like no one was taking your, your level one warrior with a, with a level three white mage sub job to Nidhogg. Like it, it just wasn't a thing. It took me over <laughs> a year to get my first 75. And and you guys had just mentioned like you know you had H and M shells and stuff like that like the 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 sky shell that I was a part of sort of functioned as like a junior shell to an H and M shell so yep. I heard about all of the the H and M drama like like it was sort of back channeled during our our sky event so you know I I would always end up kind of vicariously hearing about it. But like it's funny that you mentioned that sort of like spy drama stuff because I did I did experience that and it was probably because there was like there was sort of a separation between you know the people in the sky shell and the people in the H and M shell oh because the people in the H and M shell uh, I think the requirement was like at least two jobs at seventy five that's pretty steep and it was. Yeah, like I was like I was like, well, I'm not leveling another job to 75, so I was just kind of you know, uh, like like I had gained the trust of the H and M people mostly because I didn't have anywhere else to go, but I would end up hearing about all of these other people who would you know they would oh another sky uh, uh, person just ratted out our TOD and shit like that. So yeah, <laughs> I would, would kind of hear about it like like in passing but it was never something that i was like directly involved in 
Oh, that's so weird. I think I recall uh, yelling but... TODs or shouting them in town and play, telling them the link shells and stuff. Oh, you would. Oh, yeah. The TODs but... for this is this. Go get it, guys. I forgot all about the sky shells being farm shells for the H&M stuff because that's exactly how it worked. Like, yeah. uh, anyone with an H&M shell usually had a separate sky shell and then uh, people would kind of, like, graduate to the to the big leagues. Like, you're, you're a minor league player. Yeah. Being yeah, in sky funny. for the first time, aside from running on the floor like it's a disco floor and being like, hee, 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 my feet. Um, besides that first experience in sky that people get and forget about, which I always thought was cool and stuck with me, it was, I felt like a fish out of water just going to sky for the first time because I had, like, pup. <laughs> and that was about it. Maybe I had Thief at that point by the time I had... I think I had Thief at that point as well. Uh, that was my, my second 75. And, uh, you know, to be a pup and a Thief at 75 and be in a Sky Shell, that was not a serious Sky Shell that would take you on those two jobs. You were just like... <laughs> it was like they're like, oh, this guy's got nothing we want. Get out of here, chump. And, you know... Hey, the, the Thief was somewhat relevant. Like, people yeah. believed all sorts of things about Treasure Hunter. Oh, yeah, because who remembers... When you needed the, uh, was it a Bartholomew's knife or some shit like that? And you couldn't kill yeah. one of the NMs until you had a successful steal? Yeah, that's when I got to come in to shine. I'd be like, oh, I'm on Pup Guy. Sorry, I can't. It's just, I'm not Brigandishing Blade. Oh, that was it? I don't know why I said Bartholomew. I don't know where the fuck that came from. Well, no, no. The mob's name was Brigandishing Blade. Oh, oh. But it was, was that the knife? Yeah. Am yeah, I... Bartholomew's knife, I think, is actually correct. Yeah. Oh, shit, son. All the things I can't remember. Got that one. <laughs> It was like the one thing you could do. I expect you to remember that. Uh, oh, psh, I was on Pup. I couldn't. I was on Pup Sub Scholar. Oh, Sub Scholar so you can magic aggro everything? or <laughs> So I could cure and raise people and sneak myself and not buy Silent Oils because I was a new player with shit levels of gill. Sounds right. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I had the system worked. And it was actually a time... So I don't know if we want to just go right into... I don't want to... Because I, I jump onto all these fucking rabbit holes and be like sub-jobs people used to use. That would be one of them. Pup Sub Scholar used to be somewhat of a niche thing that was really good, actually. But, I mean, Sky Sky was certainly... Steam Cleaner sucked and all those other things going on. I could never get those hand-to-hands. I'd always get outlawed for them. You know, I think it really depends on your Final Fantasy upbringing, if you will. Like... For the people who are more social oriented and they just kind of did the sky shell on the side, you know, they were at that stage of the game. I think the game was a lot more fun and you were a lot more open to those kinds of ideas Um, to whereas like someone like me, all all the people around me personally, like in in real life who also played this game, they were so dead set on like being the guy and getting into the H&M group and doing dynamics with insta kill black mage parties and stuff like that, that I never got to really experiment with anything that was suboptimal at all so it, it was just all about you know if you're if you're a red mage like you are you are sub white mage uh, that is your choice um unless you're sub ninja and you're basically god and then um you know if, if you were a white mage like you only sub red mage for or or black mage actually uh, you only MP. sub black mage yeah for it was for conserve mp and for um Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. It was a summoner. I'm, I'm thinking of, like, different Yeah, because uh, yeah, in one of the dead sub-job combos, the first thing I listed was white mage sub-summoner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes you, there were, like, tricks you could do with escape, and I don't remember what it was. But we yeah, It was in, in Sky Farming. Escape would bring you back to the entrance was super helpful for yeah. time, because at that time, it wasn't until Adeline, when they moved movement speed up from the base, they raised it by 25% in Adeline. Yeah. So for all those years, you know, imagine we're running at like 40-something percent more now, depending on what item you have for movement speed. 
uh, versus what we ran then. And that's just our normal speed. And people still want to run faster than that, of course. And they still, you know, flea hack around because who has got time for that? But <laughs> I don't well, know. That was, one of, the things, that that oh, was one of the things that really struck me about, you know, when, because I, oh my God, I played uh, not just, you know, A Realm Reborn, Final Fantasy 14. I also played 1.0, Final Fantasy Ooh. 14. Yeah, they're not oh, good. But the thing is, is that the like, beta. I, I I was in the alpha. I was in the beta. I watched. I that was a slow train wreck. Like it was like like every 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 mistake that that development team made. Everyone who was testing that game knew exactly the problems that were going to come. Like they, it was like watching it. Yeah, it was like watching a slow train wreck that you knew you couldn't do anything about it was horrible it's turning in that book report you know you didn't read the book on and you just kind of exactly exactly yeah. one of the things that i felt that was really lost about the mmo experience uh between final fantasy 11 and final fantasy 14 was how much they simplified movement uh around the map right like once you once they they made the the teleport currency gill, you just had unlimited ability to just go where you wanted. You you would just zip in and out, and it made the overworld feel cheap. And that's one of the things that you know, even with some of the quality of life updates that uh, FF11 has done, like adding the home point crystals and stuff like that, like. My, it, you know, it's 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 a little bit refreshing to feel like okay, you've still got to traverse the world even after, you know, playing this game for so long because the world has some meaning, right? Um, and you know, to the point where like I think my first three play sessions, um, you know, when I had just come back to FF11, I was like, why can't I figure out how to get where I need to go? Like, I played this game for, like, 15 years. Like, I can't... Why can't I figure out how to get to Nord? Because uh, I didn't have all of the home point crystals and stuff like that. Yep. Like, just trying to remember all of the... You know, do, fuck, yep. do I do I outpost warp there? Or did I have to go to Adeline first? Like, what the... It was, you know, like, getting around in this game at one point was incredibly nuanced and complicated. And it was one of the most fascinating things that like players just put up with like i love I, I, I i thought it was great like when i look back on it especially with how populated the servers were you know during like adeline and wings i it just it's one of the things that was phenomenal about ff11 that just it made it, it just made i don't know it made the world and the community feel more alive and more vibrant. Like you actually had to use the world space as more than just like, oh, what do I feel like looking at today? You know what I mean? Yes, I, I absolutely do. I used to look at the Idawa subterrain maps and get confused as fuck. And now they're simple to me. But back when I was at 75, I had no idea. I, I couldn't read a map. I don't know why... I, there's a lot of things I've had trouble with in my life, but for some reason, it's simple things like that. I will just be confused as fuck on, even though it's super easy to read a map. Oh, where's point A? Where's point B? Then somehow you get sure. lost because you have to open different browser pages. And, but I, I somehow would manage to screw that up. But the subterrain, like the jungle sucked because everyone get lost in the jungle and you'd eventually get used to it enough 
where you'd remember some yeah. paths if you would just walk into the right but path. But it was remember. a single map. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's hard to hard to navigate that jungle, man. Well, you know, and like like the complications of travel, I think were like a theme in FF11 because it's like, you know, like it, we were just talking about Sky. Sky is incredibly nuanced and complicated to get around. Sky felt like, pretty easy. I, I mean, yeah, once you learn it, but it's like, like you know, you learn all of the different warp crystals, then you learn having to go inside to come back outside, and then you know, like you get over to the to the Biako thing, and you're like, well, fuck, well, what the the goddamn thing is like the there's like a pillar in the way. <laughs> how, the, how the fuck yeah. do we get to the other side of this? So like there's the, like like when I say nuanced, it's like oh, yeah. do you need to go to Biaku? You then have a good point. Like, you know, like there's there's like a very specific set of directions that you're going to need to remember on top of how basically everything works up there. You know, the worst part was when you try to go to Biako and then you have to get someone in your link to like do escape or bring like a mule account yeah. or something up because you have to hit the earth door and the earth door is not open. So no one can get to Biako. <laughs> oh, that was the worst. Yep. yep, exactly. Or even, I mean, it's even super early on in the game. If you're from Winders, the fucking three mage gate, man, that's still a problem for everyone in this day. You get people yes. shouting all the time. Dude, I, I actually when I came back to the game, like one of my one of my big things was like I want to do all of the story content that I hadn't done, and I hadn't I've only I during most of my entire playthrough of FF11, I was always from Bastok, and uh, so I begrudgingly switched over to Winders, and it's like what better like story. four missions in, say what? It's a better story. Sorry, go on. It, man, I, you may be right, uh, but it was like four missions in, and I'm like sitting at this fucking three mage gate, going like, I'm level ninety nine, and I can't figure. Like, <laughs> oh my god, I feel so fucking stupid right now. And you can't get it, in. Yeah, and like I'm just like, well, what do I do now? And no one's I coming. Kinda, yeah, I guess I'll have to go do something else. Uh, I'm know, on. I'm, like, I'm on Dark Knight, and I'm not one of these mages. Exactly. <laughs> The ground's not lighting up for me. <laughs> Even Speaking if it of the, need two more. Uh, with the ground lighting up, uh, how about uh, quicksand caves and needing like I'm a various sizes? Yeah, to stay yeah. on it. That was the yeah. most confusing thing. I'm like, wait, so how many tarus? <laughs> it's like Russian nesting dolls. <laughs> It's like, you know, the one time you want to be disgusting, fat, ugly Galka is, is you know, oh, I want to go to Quicksand Caves, but now, thankfully, they have the Lodestone, so it's a load off your mind. You'll ever be a Galka in your life ever again. Now there's no excuse. <laughs> yeah, there were all these these interesting on-paper ideas of, like, things that would bar your passage, if not for cooperation, oh, yeah. but... Yeah. It never really like played out well in practice, though. Like even even the uh, I think uh, it did. vanishing gates. Um, you would have to wait for like the XP party to stop their chain or whatever, and then go stand on the things if they weren't just complete d bags. No, no, you'd wait for them to break their chain by killing too slowly, and then they would help you. Yeah, and that was great. I loved that. It was stupid, and it was a horrible time constraint, and you had to bother people to do it. And doing thief AF in there, especially, was crappy, but it was somehow still great. It's funny that they fixed all of those, but they didn't. Well, big air quotes on fixed, but they they, they didn't fix the three mage gate. You were talking. They did. About, yeah. Wait, did the three mage gate? Did they? Well, there's always been options around it. I consider it a fix because they put the survival guide right behind it. You well, can just yeah, warp. You, you can to... warp right behind it once you like. Once I let someone in, when someone yells, I let them in. I tell them click the survival guide into our Mori Canal. You'll never be stuck. You can just get behind the gate immediately every time. 
Yeah. Yeah, but, but you have to get through it that first time, though. Yeah, yeah. there's that first time, though. Yeah. You know, to exactly. be fair, as a new player, I thought it was wild that like I had to find a red mage, a black mage, and a white mage, and the ground lights up and it opens the door, and that was the only thing to open it. There was always that many. It's a seventy-five. Or there was that rhinostri quest or whatever rhinostri, whatever it was, um, quest where you could get some certificate from a quest line, and you can open the Tormori Canal gate to get in yep. there from yep. behind Heaven's Tower. But I guess that's still not three mage gate, but. Yeah, uh, you know, you would think that they would have added, like, uh, one of those, uh, you know, um, Moogle uh, key items that would let you sort of bypass that. I think they haven't, in my own personal opinion, of course, because getting through the Quicksand Caves is important, getting through Garlish of the Dell for AF and stuff is still important. There's XP camps in there, uh, and all those other things, they actually matter. Three Mage Gate doesn't really matter. In terms of you except get, for that one mission in Winders, yeah, and yeah. and you can pass it if you just give Kupipi that rolling berry. So technically, they actually did add a way past it because yeah, if I click I it, it opens. That's that's the way. But past the, it. the difference is there's no spot on the on the ground where you can pick up a, a sack of weighted mages. You know? <laughs> but no, they have the rolling berry quest if you give Kupipi that rolling berry. But do you have to do the gate first to get through that? I think you have to do the gate first to get through that. Yeah, I think yeah, no matter I what, you like have you to do it. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. still, I mean, once you do it, you get that rolling berry letting one in, man. Kupipi loves those rolling berries. Yeah, so suck it. Go find three people. That was great about the Make old game. Friends on an MMO? Is, <laughs> friends on an MMO. Is, as much as the quality of life has improved and it's much more um, friendly for people who don't have a childhood to sink into it, uh, the things that stick with me the most aren't you know, the catalyst for the game is always to get armor and drops and do events. And sometimes things would happen in events that were wild, you remember? Like some doll yeah. running over and blowing up on someone that Magrid or something. You know, something crazy that just didn't usually ever happen. But the things that stuck the most were those those bullshit things of running through Ottawa Chasm for freaking ever and then getting killed by a course that spawns at night or something or a, or a antlion popping out of the ground or not making up the mountain and falling off. Like, those are the things that stick are all like the bullshit running through the the past zones, not like, you know, how many times did I go do uh, in her yard or something and lose or something? Yeah, I mean, when you, I guess when you sort of think about it, like the disaster stories are, are equally as good as, you know, um, the triumphs. But, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think that the motivation, the ultimate motivation in, in, in Eleven has always been, yeah, to get the gear and to get the loot and, um you know, I guess similar to Dungeons and Dragons, it's like it's it's more about the ad- adventure along the way. Sometimes, I mean, that was really the adventure just, along the way. It's the friends we made along the way. Yeah, the yeah, exactly. And it's you know, like it's it's one of those things where like that was intrinsic to the original design and concept to FF11 was you're gonna need people. Like this is an online game that's played with other people. Fucking figure it out. Like that was the 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 tran the auto translate system all of the, all of that shit was like um uh, you know basically from the devs to be like here communicate um it, it, you know it, people don't really understand like i don't i don't think uh have the appreciation for the fact that like even games at that at the time that final fantasy 11 came out a lot of times servers were divided by region and so you would have servers that were divided by language. And it was a very specific uh, design choice 
for Square Enix to go, no, we're going to put everyone on the same server and we're going to give the people tools to communicate. Pretty it's radical, actually. Yeah, it's, it's hugely radical, especially for the time, like, what, 2000 was when it was being developed? Like, like that's crazy. And, and you know, uh, I, I think that that should be both applauded and, and still recognized for how unique it truly is, even in sort of this modern state of MMOs. I mean, shit. FF14 decided to to you know divide their servers I think more for server latency than for um you know for uh, uh language barriers or anything like that but you know it's it's it, it is something that makes Final Fantasy 11 still intrinsically you know in, inherently unique and uh you know I think that that's something that's still reflected in the community that that plays it I... Most certainly. In fact, there's there's like speech patterns you can see with people because of auto translate, where people will, will try to just like substitute in auto translate words wherever they can. It's actually a pet peeve of mine, and there's just <laughs> no reason for them to, or they're contextually inappropriate. Like uh, carbuncolations, hell dive, yeah, yeah. reward using reward, <laughs> reward. Round, where it's like you want to feel them a snack. Like, what's <laughs> yeah, I use like slash that. tell all the time, like uh, uh, you know, eighteen out of you know five out of eighteen. Do you need it slash tell? Or there's even the situations where people will write, like, can I have it? But it won't be an auto-translate. They'll just literally write that out. <laughs> the, those, dude, those phrases stick in your brain. Like, yes. there, there's, like, I, I, can't, I can't remember where it came up, but uh, the, the phrase, too weak to be worthwhile. Oh, it's so good. Came up somewhere. Too and weak. I was like, like I was like, does that person play Final Fantasy Eleven? Like, there's no way, there's no way that that specific series of words just left your mouth, and you've never read that as a part of playing Final Fantasy Eleven before. I fail to believe. Possible to gauge. It's yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just a decent challenge to me. <laughs> uh, you know, and, and and yeah, like. It's funny, you know, when when you meet a Final Fantasy XI player in real life, there's like sort of instant camaraderie, uh, and and sort of like this sort of like, I don't know if it's like a, a shared trauma or if it's like just Both. a shared shared sense of like, yeah, we all we we all experience that, but like, you know, there's 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 this sort of like, uh, I, I don't want to call it a brotherhood, but there's um, you know, there's it's like. A a little bit, but there are women involved too. Um, well, I, you know, it's just, you know, it's just a title like Mankind. I yeah, sure. We'll we'll go with that. But like with Final Fantasy fourteen players, there is none of that. Like I, I you know, I can meet somebody who played Final Fantasy eleven for like five years, and you know, in twenty minutes, we're buying each other drinks and laughing about bubbly Bernie jokes. You know, you meet you meet Final Fantasy fourteen players, and they're just like, they you know they're just like regular people. They haven't they haven't had this this unique experience of playing Final Fantasy eleven. It's weird. It's 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 it, it's weird to like sort of acknowledge and to say out loud, but it's a hundred percent true. Wham bam, thank you, ma'am. I guess that guy didn't suck. <laughs> <laughs> I would compare the eleven community closest to like the metalhead community. Yeah. That's not that that's not inaccurate, yeah. So getting back to combat because everything like like it's 
nostalgia, I think, is a wonderful thing. Obviously, in moderation. So you know, R slash F of X I. But um, appreciating where we are today, it goes both ways. Is what I'm saying. Before I you know drag that out any further, it goes both ways. As as much as back in the day was Eleven's heyday. And how revolutionary it was to have all the regional servers. And the fact that I don't think any MMO had so many platforms, especially at the time I know it was the record. I don't know if it ever changed, but no MMO had ever been on PS2, 360, <clears throat> PC, all on universal worldwide servers together. I mean, yeah. obviously it's PC now, but even, you know, I don't think any MMO even does it today. It's just all PC based. You wouldn't mix that with, I, I know PS4 or whatever was on. Is PS4 still part of 14? Yeah, it is. So, um, so you've got for 14, it's PC and PS4, and they're all inhabiting the same servers. But, you know, it's no Xbox. It, it, no, yeah, still no Xbox. So not even 14 uh, even match the number of I mean, not that it's an important number, but yeah, it's it's weird. I, I still think that there's a possibility it could happen, um, but it becomes more and more remote as uh, as time goes on. But yeah, I, I, it, it, it's very, yeah, FF11 existed in this sort of like very unique space where like it was, it was one of, it was a game that you could literally get on any console. Um, you know, you could figure out how to play it on Mac and Linux if you really were. Yeah, that's industrious. easier now. Yeah, yeah. But still not. But yeah, um, yeah, it, 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 it was sort of like, uh, you know, as many, as many devices as humanly possible. And, uh, you know, all of them basically had the same experience when you when you loaded the game. And for how revolutionary it was, too. Imagine, you know, having PS4 and PC for 14 is one thing. But imagine years and years ago doing that for multiple consoles. And, that you know, it, the amount of overhead and, and manpower that must have taken to do that, not only to develop, because they developed for multiple consoles because there were unique issues that would arise only on certain consoles that had to fix for many years which is i'm surprised it took them so long to shut down this too yeah this, 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 no it happened to 360 more often than anything i think the ps2 had plenty of problems later it was a lot of ps2 problems later but mostly it was 360 problems forever it was almost like it wasn't supposed to be on that console it was so bad because uh let's see one of my bullets here that happened to me a lot i'll finish this thought first but um because also besides that the servers and everything um was they had to support the whole auto-translate language and, and, and developing for multiple consoles. And that was in a time when that was even more difficult, I'd imagine, than it is today because, you know, the resources that would have taken and the expertise and bring people in and, you know, these are all very different things from different times and different ways and different generations of consoles and this and that. But think Final Fantasy XI still to this day because bandwidth was an uncommon thing and it was expensive and it wasn't like it was today where it's this ubiquitous thing that flows from the sky if only Comcast didn't suck. Um, they still have that single session FTP transfer for updating. I mean, it's good they put out the update fix where you can just download the game, the latest update and install it and then it's not a problem because that single session FTP transfer, opening and closing it to save bandwidth one file at a time is incredibly slow to this day. It feels yep. even more slow. So all of that, the, the multi-region servers, the multi-consoles, the had French and German before they dropped it, you know, the communication and updating and play online, all those things. It's actually a marvel that this game even ever came out in that capacity. And it's a marvel that it lasted for this long on top of all that. Yeah, it's, 
it's pretty amazing that that thing still runs, you know, like, and that it's functional. I, I, you know, and people at, still at, like it. Yeah. Yeah. At, you know, and, and, and it's like, I've, I've had, uh, a bunch of people approach me about like, Oh, you should join a private server. And it's like, mm. well, why? Why the experience Why? is gone? The thrill is gone. Yeah, like, like I, I don't, I, I don't understand. Like, what, what can your private server do that retail can't do for me anymore? You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I honestly think that retail has a better experience. It's not the same game that it used to be, and I don't think it should be. You can never reanimate yeah. that corpse. No, because. Because you need at least a couple of thousand people playing concurrently in order to do it. That's that's what that's what like private servers don't seem to to understand. They're like, oh yeah, come come join come join the uh, you know my private server. It's rolled back to TOAU, except uh, there's like twenty times the experience per kill. <laughs> we do all this stuff to make it so that it's playable. Because you only have 50 fucking people logging in at any one time. So it, it's it's either, like, do you take the um, the the concessions that, that retail has made over time to make this game more playable, which is, yes, is speeding up the XP experience, adding trusts, things like that, or do you just want to, you know, you kind of remember sort of what TOAU was like? It's a pale imitation, and it has never been even remotely interesting for me. For as much nostalgia as I can get from the retail, I'd rather continue playing my character that I've played since 2004 uh, on retail, or 2002, or whatever the fuck. You know what I mean? Like, that to me has way more appeal than like, Oh, remember when we all used to camp H and M's? Now you can do it by yourself. Like, who cares? That's a good point. The perspective is almost always lost, and it's not yeah. a matter of of what you're playing on. Like, sure, we could have a we could have a system like rolled back to then that works exactly the same as Final Fantasy XI did back then. But we're also not the same people with the same mindset we were back then. Um, we aren't interacting right. on nearly the same scale, like you said, as back then. Um, so your your experience can be wildly different. And the game back then was designed for the player base that existed back then. And now it's designed for the designed for the player base that exists now. And unfortunately, you can't roll back a player base. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's exactly. basically it right there. Yeah, you, you nailed it. The private server people, to put in the simplest of terms that someone could post around everywhere if they wanted to because it never ends. The equivalency of a private server for 11 is like players trying to put the genie back in the lamp and pretend they never knew what it was like for it to be out of it. Yeah. Yeah. You can't capture that same experience. Like, no one wants to stay up till... They have choices now. Before then, you wanted your joy use, you camped it, you know? And, and, and the whole atmosphere and the world and the internet and life in general, as much as we may not think about it, in 2006 or 5 or 3 was drastically different. People yeah. had, there was no iPhone. They had flip phone, you know, like like people were still using Walkmans in 2003, people, come on. You know, uh, it's just, it, it, you can't, you want to, it's like taking the world back to a time when certain things didn't exist and knowing they exist and still trying to pretend that you can capture that same lightning twice. You can't capture the, the same lightning strike. And it's that's what blows my mind about. Because if they charged for these private servers a, a fee, 
which they could never do, they'd be charging for a static service in time that ever more decays and they would watch yep. their player base evaporate from, you know, some of these servers, they brag they have like hundreds of players on at one time and thousands of people with characters. But if they charge them for that, no one would pay for this fake experience that you can't recapture and, and right. just in a static environment. That's garbage. Yeah. And, you know, if if that if if that's what makes you happy, I mean, I guess go ahead. But like for me, it just uh, I've never really understood the appeal. I don't think it's real happiness. I think it's trying to imitate happiness. Yeah. People... Remind, me, remind me of what it f- used to feel like when I was happy back in 2006, please. Like, if... that's, it's, that's, not even, that's not even bringing joy back. That's just remembering what joy was. And it takes all of the good things and leaves all of the bad things out and focuses only on the good things you remember and none of the, none of the details or conditions or bad things surrounding them. And it only wants the good things. It's like, if only my Agnes could dance with me one more time. And then after the dance right. over, they start fighting with each other. Oh, I wish you were dead. Oh, you are dead. You know, that kind of, <laughs> that kind of stuff. People just, as Fox said, perspective is 100% correct there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, you know, that was something that we would acknowledge on the, the Final Fantasy fourteen show all the time. Uh, you know, a lot of people like to accuse Limit Break Radio of, uh, of looking at uh, Final Fantasy Eleven with rose-colored glasses. And I think that there's a certain amount of that that's true, yeah. where you do, you do sort of minimize the bad and the frustrating. But, like, I don't think that's what we did. Like, you know, I've, I've kind of gone back and, and listened to some of our older shows, but I think that, like, we were always very, like, you know, we, we had come from Final Fantasy XI. We spent, you know, seven years doing a show about that, that game, and all of us had played it, uh, 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 like, you know, uh, at an, to an obsessive degree. And I think, I think even still when we would... Uh, laud the things that the the game did well. Uh, it was always with this kind of caveat of like, yeah, but sometimes you know, uh, that was like that was like contingent on like two hours worth of prep or like having to get to the zone to do the fight. And if you failed the fight, you had to start you know from the beginning of the zone again. It was another two hour trek, and like you know, there was. I don't think we minimized any of that stuff. It's just like. When you think back onto that kind of stuff, it like, yes, it was annoying at the time, but like when you think back on it, like I think it added to the experience, right? Like, yes, it was a thing. Like, like the thing that I'm, uh, you know, that I'm sort of remembering fondly as like a bit of a nuisance or like a character building experience was like the reason somebody else quit the game. I understand that. Like, I and and kind of going to back to your point of like you can't put the genie back in the bottle. I don't think designing a game that way purposefully in 2021 will necessarily net you a successful product or a successful game. But for its time, that frustration and that sort of like like it's it's sort of like uh you know uh, it, I, I joked about it earlier, but it is a little like shared trauma that you sort of like overcome, you know, it builds, it, it tends to build more lasting friendships. It tends to build more stark memories. Does that mean that it's necessarily the best way to build a game? No, it doesn't. But like there is a certain degree of that, that plays 
at the nostalgia that we think about, like when we think back to that to that time in our lives, you know. Yes. Um, when you had like like if it, it felt like things back then had more more weight to them than they do now. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Like when you failed, like you said, it, it was it was it was epic when you when, like it, epic in a bad way. It it was terrible when you failed. It's White for thirty minutes. Yeah. You either you either just completely lost out on your chance at the content sometimes for the day. Um. Sometimes. Yeah. You know that there was like so much travel time back that it was just absurd, and and it made the victories feel really sweet afterwards. Like like that was like yes. the moment, and I think that's what we latch on to is is that moment of success. But we don't really our our memories aren't perfect when it comes to the things that we try to to push out uh, intentionally, and uh, you know just thinking about like Chains Promethea, for example, like trying to finish some of the fights in there, especially when uh, they did not have. Um, the ability to to level sync for it or anything or, or wear gear and have it like be scaled down yeah um that that all came later um or, or even just to bypass level cap altogether which is what people experience now um people even myself included look back on cop and it's like man that was like one of the most fun storylines that i ever did but i know that if i were to go put myself back in those shoes with the knowledge that i know now um i would immediately try to cut to the chase and do only the strategy that absolutely worked because mm -hmm. all of the fails and trial and error that made those strategies work were just miserable. Uh, everyone remembers Terrible. their COP win where they struggled against the airship fight or something. Yeah. And I remember people in Linkshell, oh, we lost the airship fight again. It took them like weeks to beat it sometimes. Just different strategies, different everything, and just like coming close and losing. And just people struggling. And sometimes, I remember even myself, I got upset at some fights because you would... You'd spend hours and hours, like sometimes waiting for people to get on, scheduling, mm -hmm. running there forever, dying, raising, all this bullshit. And then you would lose. And then you'd yeah. do it again. And you would lose. And you'd spend all this time. And eventually you just get so mad at some of the bullshit and losing. And you'd be like, oh, fuck this. I hate this. Some people would just rage quit. I'm not doing this mission yeah. anymore. And then just quit the game. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone forgets that. And they only yeah. focus on. Remember when we beat Airship? And it's like, yeah, that was great, but you can't filter everything around it out. So I think, personally, I'm not, you know, qualified anyway to make this observation, but I try to be very self-aware. Uh, I think it helps I, in an unself-aware world. You go. No, I, I, I definitely agree with that. And for me, it was the Mammoth fight that, that yeah. I was stuck on. The Mammoth fight was cool. We had a Leviathan kite those fuckers. Yeah, it. I I don't know what it was, but like for the uh, if it was the era that I was trying it in or what, but like it it was such a struggle. And I was on I was originally on Python, um, and when they opened up server transfers, I went uh with some of my other co-hosts on Limit Break Radio over to Odin, and that was like one of the first things that we did. Um, like the very first thing that we did was get uh my what was it Alkalonius bracelets. And then the other thing that we did was like, let's get Nero through the mammoth fight. And um, I was always, I was always very grateful for that. But like, yeah, no, I, I think that like, uh, especially, you know, on like on the show when we would kind of wax poetically about our time in Final Fantasy XI, like it, at least when I would talk about Final Fantasy XI, it, it, I, I, I don't, at least, and I, and I'm just saying this for me personally. I don't think I minimized any of the struggle because I think 
the I think I romanticized the struggle, mm-hmm. right? Like the struggle was part of what made that game great and part of what made the highs so much more memorable. And, you know, yeah, I guess, you know, yeah, we do tend to minimize the lows, but like it wasn't about the lows. It was about overcoming those lows and and being able to, you know, win that mammoth fight or, you know, beat Bahamut or whatever the fuck it was that, you know, you were struggling with on COP uh, or really any piece of content. Um, I think, you know, the lows stand out if you were one of those people where it was like, yeah, screw this, I'm done. And you quit because of that. And yeah, I think you're right. It drove off people. It drove off players. And in, uh, you know, in, in you know, when when your goal is to make money and to try to make something that the most amount of people are going to want to play, that's a bad thing, right? You don't want content that's so frustrating that it drives players off. But at the same time. The other, the other side of that coin is making content that's so easy to breeze through that your player base does it all, and then you're left with a bunch of high-level, you know, geared-out players that have nothing to do. And Looking forward I, don't think, I don't think that that at any point in its life describes Final Fantasy XI. Maybe... Maybe at at its you know Japanese launch where us American players had like no context for the things that they added because I was just looking through the timeline that Square Enix has been putting out of like the development history of FF11. There's a lot of stuff like sub jobs I didn't realize were not a native design choice of this game that ended up being added in an update later. I didn't know that either. Um, it's pretty wild when you when you look back at that timeline you're like oh my god i can't believe how much of this stuff wasn't really there which actually when you think about it sort of explains the hubris of the final fantasy 14 development team when they were launching 1.0 they're like i will just add it later because they did that with final fantasy 11 and it turned out just fine um you know but at no, at really no point, at least since I've been playing, has there ever been a glut of endgame players that just got bored with lack of things to do. That That's I, the problem I, I, now. That is the problem now, yes. Yeah. And, and, you know, if it takes 19 years for your community to sort of get to that point, uh, that's pretty good. Um, so, you know, I think the, the dev team was trying to balance those two factors of like, okay, let's pick a difficulty where it's going to keep people playing. Um, but it's not going to drive people off in, in droves. Uh, and I, I don't know that they always necessarily got that correct. I think that also depends on what the player is trying to get out of it too. Cause I'm one of those players that's definitely at that stage and, Although sometimes it can seem like I have nothing to do, like technically, like game progression wise, um, it doesn't mean that I have nothing to do. And that's where like a lot of the I'm going to call it exciting, like like math and uh, and experiments and stuff like that come from. Like you can mm-hmm. start doing things with jobs because you just have the ability to do so. Right. And right. I, I think it just depends. It goes from person to person. What kind of end game experience they, they really want to call it? Like some people will just be like, yeah, I feel like I've beaten the game. I'm going to call it a day. And then some people are going to be like, well maybe I want to mentor new people or maybe I want to, you know, help 
further people's understanding of how the game works. You know, everyone has their own idea of what fun is given unlimited resources. Basically. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But I think it stands in stark contrast to the way that Final Fantasy XIV decides, you know, for example, to present its content where it's like, okay, you know, you bring up a menu and you choose what piece of content you want to do and it loads you into that piece of content with, you know, either a preformed party that you made or it can randomly match it with people. But it's like, it's just, it's this very sort of like transient, almost transactional yeah. way of of doing MMO content that, you know, when when they first started doing that stuff, I'm like, oh my God, this is so much easier than standing around shouting and like trying to specifically organize a group and like, but like at the same time, you it, it's boring. It gets boring after a while where you're just like, okay, group me. You know what I mean? And it's just like- It's easier, but it takes the MMO out of it. It does. It does. It, it makes it feel like you're playing a single player game for sure. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, with like highly well debatably high, highly advanced ais yes yeah right yeah yeah the, the debatable part of that is true yes i enjoy the way the game is now with this i have nothing to do nonsense because things that i'd always wanted to do like make ken Konkin for 15 fucking years uh things like that um i get to do them now at my own time yeah. my own leisure uh, I believe, what is it, uh, uh, Sakurai said it, it was the burden of freedom. And, and, and to take that into my own words, it'd be that people can't handle freedom and how to manage it to their own enjoyment. They need some sort of structure or guidance or, or boundaries. And then if they feel they've you know accomplished all that, that's it. But that's because they can't handle their freedom to get the most out of things. They just like, I don't know what to do today. I'm going to stand around. But it's like, if you, I, I mean... For how long I've played this game and how many days and hours I put into it, the fact that I can still find things I want to do and accomplish, and I don't feel like I'm even near any sort of end of that, uh, I think that, th I mean, you may have unlocked all the gear from a content, because Carrot Static, they did Bumba R20, and they didn't increase anything else in <laughs> potency or whatever, and they're like, oh, we, we beat Odyssey, we're done now, and they all unsubscribed. And, yeah. and they said they had beaten the content. It's like, it's not even the hardest fight. Yeah, it's the easiest fight. Yeah, it's the easiest fight. It's, it's just the highest level fight. Oh, and, okay. and to say you beat Odyssey, like, do you not realize how amazing Gladys R20 is for, say, Dragoon, if you play that, or other jobs? I mean, there's a lot of pieces of gear that are absolutely monster pieces or the best in slot, Fox, you know? Uh. <laughs> but that's... I think I think like even the way that FF11 does gear is is you know because like like that attitude of like oh we beat R20 Bumbo we're done is sort of like I think a much more modern MMO take on like the way that people do content because it's a, sort of the same same thing in Final Fantasy 14 give me exactly as much raid gear as I need to do the most up to date piece you know piece of content oh and I guess I'm done. Um, you know, it, it, there's, it, for me, FF11 was always much more about collecting gear and, uh, you know, be, finding ways. And, you know, now it's turned into like, how tightly can I tune my Lua, uh, you know, to, to have it maximize 
whatever the hell I'm doing at, at you know, you know, whether it's casting or doing a weapon skill or whatever the fuck, um, you know, it, it's it, to me, that's a much more interesting, compelling and uh, um, motivational way of getting me to, to interact with content than, hey, here's this content and we're telling you it's really, really hard and it's a really big challenge. So you should do it. And then, yeah, the, I mean, the gear that comes, if the gear that comes out of it is just like, oh, kind of better than the gear that already exists. And literally, I don't need that super high level gear for anything except doing that super high level content, then it's all fucking worthless. You've, you've built a system. You've built a self-serving system. 14. That, exactly. Yeah. 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 There are people just looking for the minimum eye level in Final Fantasy XI. Which and you will see those players, they'll get that stuff and they'll just leave. And they aren't the ones who are going to look at this piece of gear. And they're and one one player, for example, would look at the piece of gear that they just got and, and immediately evaluate it against like the next next piece as to whether or not it's going to help them do more damage or, or just like one aspect of it. But they're not yeah. going to like look at the piece as far as how it fits in the, the coherent total of all the rest of the gear they have. Like there, there are situations where this one piece is going to be a lot better than another piece, even though it looks technically inferior because it synergizes in this other way. And right. you have to ask yourself, like, why am I playing FF 11? And when I ask myself that it's because this game has a gear system that allows me to make all these optimizations. Yes. And no other game has that honestly but, to, to this depth. Straight up. There is no other MMO that utilizes gear in the way that FF11 does and, and you know, allows you to sort of kit yourself out to, to do something wildly specific, whether it's absorb TP or whether it's, yeah, like there's so many different, there's so many different ways that gear can be utilized towards doing something super specific in FF11 that makes it, a reason to go out of your way and get the gear, whether it's, yeah. you know, a piece of content that people don't really do anymore, or, you know what I mean? Like that was always my big argument for final fantasy 14, uh, to, to better sort of like to, to, uh, better incentivize my participation in, uh, you know, in, in content, maybe it's older content, maybe it's newer, more difficult content, but it's like, if if the only difference is just a slight stat difference and I can just look numerically, oh, this one is higher than this one, then I I know what my choice is automatically. It, I, it, it, the, the game is doing the thinking for me. But like when you start getting into things like, like uh, relic weapons and Empyrean weapons and the very specific like aftermaths and afterglows and, and all of these different things where it not just augments your ability to play, but it augments the 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 uh, people around you and their output That's and the their though. parsing. That that to me is much more interesting and much more synergistic uh, for an MMO than anything you know, whether it's FF14 or whether it's WoW or whether it's anything else. Like that's the way to get me to go. Okay, I, now I now my my gear choices matter much much more than just like min maxing that's the thing though um so many players so many modern ffxi players are not focused on the how your performance and even down to your gear impacts the people around you as well it's always like what can they do are they the only right. ones doing it 
so forth and so on. And so many people are lost trying to homogenize themselves amongst everyone because they think it's the best way to do it because, like, one person has tried to reduce this game. Or not one person, but there, there's, like, a group of people who try to reduce this game to Final Fantasy XIV terms to where it's like, yeah. hey, this next best piece is is exactly what you wear because, you know, the stats say it this, this way. And all they're doing is they're killing the ability for themselves to specialize. Um, that's yeah. that's that's basically it. What? And and when you and when you can't specialize in things anymore, it stops allowing the people around you to also specialize based on on what you are doing. And that's actually what makes a more efficient party. What got me most excited about Odyssey taking away sub jobs and all this other stuff is that it turns people's uh individual centric, self-centered, egocentric kind of perspective of I'm gonna do the most DPS, I'm gonna get daddy's love, da 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 da. Uh, it turns that on its head, and it forces groups to homogenize because the things you were relying on, and that make jobs perform in certain ways, or groups work, uh, including you know how the offensive geomancy was uh, nerfed significantly in there, you know the things they relied on to just wham bam thank you ma'am. It turns yeah. it on its head. It takes the cake away from these fat kids who refuse to think about anything beyond. You know, like, like they they want to copy a strategy like this month with Ambuscade. I'm glad I can be on Pup, but I don't like that everyone just goes out there and they're Pup for the first time in, in three years or two years, whenever the last time the Frog came was like two years. Um, I don't like that they uh, are just like, oh, whatever I can do that's easy and I can just do it and that's it. But when they're forced to have to do things outside of the box the way this game traditionally has been i i just relish the fact that they're gonna have a temper tantrum and they're gonna could someone could someone sell me the win you know that kind of bullshit yeah i i've i've run into that a couple of times where it's like you know ambi skates bullshit this month i guess we're not doing it you know like oh, and, and to be and i i do too because <laughs> i'm i'm like i'm like no that just means we haven't figured out the right way to do it um you know, uh, to me, I, I, I actually, I really like Ambuscade, like, as an event, the way that it rotates, the way that, you know, the developers seem to sort of, like, respond to, like, here's the way that everyone does X piece of content. So we're going to, we're going to, yeah, like, like you said, we're going to turn it on its head. And the devs are just giving us the finger and going, okay, try this. Yeah, it's sort of the same, like, like in a microcosm, it's it's the same sort of attitude that you got with uh, absolute virtue, where like yeah. it was like way back in the day, people were like, "This thing just keeps fucking destroying us every time it pops. Please tell us how to do it." Oh, and the that devs video. Were like, the devs were like, "Here's a video, dipshits, figure it out." And it was the most confusing, nonsensical video. Where the answer actually was in the video, it was pretty spelled out, but like none of us were smart enough to figure out how to do it. What was and, the answer again? Because it was um, long. It was like I think you had to like counter the two hours of absolute virtue with uh, I can't remember. I think I remember like, it being like one hours against one hours or something like that. But even then, like that. yeah, the video they put out encompassed multiple days in the game and correct me if i'm wrong didn't they have a red mage tank that and they nerfed red mage emanate so red mage couldn't tank anymore that's still a small spot for me and yes yes mm -hmm. so they did that and then they put out a video of them fighting it for what three hours uh something like that 
and then that's the way and it is they were cutting between everything so you didn't see everything but that's that's how you i mean that was the worst like the answer was technically in there but it'd be like you know like like if a pun was the answer you know how to me to me it's sort of like 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 okay the, I, I like that relationship between developer and audience where they're just like, okay, listen, we'll, we'll try to help you. We'll help you a little bit, but we're not going to spell it out for you. Like the FF, the FF 14 development method has been like, spell everything out in, in game text bubbles. Like there is no, that we're going to draw the specific pattern on the ground that you can't be in. You know, it's very literal, right? Shapes and, and colors. I, I, Exactly. And I just, I love the way that Final Fantasy Eleven dev team was just like, nah, fuck you, figure it out. Like, they, and they, they gave no fucks. They were like, there were so many, there were, there were so many people who were like, it's not fair. That video is bullshit. Like, there were so many complaints about it. And they're just like, ah, fuck you. <laughs> like, got your money. Like, like, it's just, it was such a great way. Just, and it was, and it was around one fight in the entire game, so it was like justifiable. It's like it's not like they're you know not explaining the entire game and the whole game is for. And it's one monster that is like you know this is the super challenge. And if we tell you how to do it, it's not going to be a challenge anymore. Like I miss that. Like that that's something that I get really genuinely nostalgic for is like a development team that doesn't. That isn't afraid of its audience. That that yeah. sort of like it knows it has the power, and it's like, well, if you don't want to play it, then fuck you. Go find another game. And Guess you're not cool enough to play FF11. They, asshole. The devs came out <laughs> and they said, "Hey guys, you know what they said?" And the other devs went, "It doesn't matter what they said. <laughs> it doesn't matter what those devs said." Oh, uh, the players. I mean, like, the players are posting. Uh, let them post. You know, it's it's the same sort of like development method but behind Dark Souls. Like, yeah, it's oh. it's hard. It's hard on purpose, asshole. Like, don't come to me and be like, please tell me how to do it. Figure it out. Like, you're a big boy. Go figure it out. You know, That's like that. I, I genuinely miss that. Yes. Um, in fact, if you look at it, that, that's actually the right way of looking at it. Is that when you approach a game that's that's difficult for the sake of of, of teaching you something. It's a lot different than the game that's like difficult for the sake of they're just spiting you to death with it, you know. And yeah. I think looking at it through like a Dark Souls lens is actually correct when it comes to this game in particular because um, this this game doesn't hold any hands just like Dark Souls never did. And, and this game does predate Dark Souls, obviously, yeah. but uh, not to say that they're that related. But the um, it seems like the idea behind them is related in some way, but not like directly. I think and it's just it's more it's more the the relationship between developer and audience. Yes. It's just like yeah, like that that which may be I don't know, like I think I think that relationship was much more common back among in the day. like back in the day and among ja specifically Japanese game developers where, you know, because gaming was such a a cultural phenomenon in the early 90s in Japan, it's it's sort of like you know, like I, I've heard a lot of stories about like Japanese game developers being harassed along the same lines as like anime, uh, you know, uh, developers or or animators or whatever were harassed for some of their anime decisions. anime developers. <laughs> yeah, I, don't know, I don't know what you would call it, uh, but, but you know what I mean. 
uh, uh, people who worked in anime would also get harassed. So I think that there was like a bit more of a, uh, of a culture around that. And you sort of had to have thicker skin and be like, nah, fuck you. You know what I mean? Like, it, 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 and I, I don't know that that's necessarily a hundred percent true. It's just, you know, what I've picked up in my time as a fan of, uh, of, of, you know, specifically final fantasy and square Enix games where that relationship between the audience and the developer has, has changed a lot. And, and I, I feel like they, they're kind of coming back to that slightly in how they executed like Odyssey, especially at the tier three level. Oh yeah. Um, it, it, that that still has that same sort of feel, but then you know they turn around and do something like Bumbo, where they completely undo all of the stakes. Yeah. Maybe that's just us brute forcing it and being able to. That's poor testing. But yeah, they needed more HP. I mean, right, but but having like some sort of like thought into maybe we should patch that. Maybe we shouldn't be afraid of our our audience, like you were saying, um, and actually like give us a reason to actually relish the fact that we can kill these things. Like I, I don't know that it just. It, it seems like it seems like they start to get it, and then they they kind of like waffle a bit, and then they start to get it again, and then they waffle a bit. Like uh, Dynamis Divergence, for example, like just making the fetter system after dealing with like how the rest of it works, you know, a thing, and then having to overcome like the boss, like continuously summoning Odin if you fuck up, and you know stuff like that. Um, I, I think just with the way that they escalated the design, they they should keep to that. Because they're making us more and more powerful, but they're not really providing content anymore that has the same kind of teeth and the same kind of attitude that they had towards towards releasing content. Towards Number one sense. divergence dynamis mistake that they made was the wave three bosses. Because instead of having them use weapon skills at a certain HP percentage, they made it time-based. So as long as you beat the NM within 30 minutes, you, you're pretty much always going to win. You pretty much you don't even get Odins anymore. You kill them so fast. Yep. But when we first did the Windurst one for the first time, when it first came out, we took too long based on our group that night. And once you passed that 20-ish, 30-minute mark, it starts spamming AoE Rudra's Storm, and he just completely demolished our alliance. And the next time we fought him, you know, maybe one person went down, the tank went down, the puppet took him, something like that. It Like a typical fight might go, but no one was really in danger of, like, we weren't in danger of wiping or losing, anything like that. And he never did that move because we killed him before he got access to it based on time. They should have gotten access to it based on HP. All these special moves like Cloud Splitter and the Galk, all these other things they don't do because you kill them too fast. It should have been HP based, and it was not, and that's probably the number yeah, one problem. Yeah, disincentivized the arms race. Yes, yes. Like, yeah. the fight doesn't change because of that. Like, if he starts spamming dangerous TP moves that white people, you're going to want to pull those people out there. You're going to start caring about TP feed. You're going to start changing your strategy. Instead, they just have everyone stand there spamming straight nines, and it's over. Which, you know, it's, it's the, the, mo the biggest tragedy of Divergence is that. Because when they first came out, they were rather challenging. And then very quickly, once everyone got those R15s, they were not challenging unless you, you know, and people just kind of skipped right to them. So it wasn't like you even had a challenge of, oh, I got to fight my way to the event. You just skipped right to it by killing stuff. And then the hardest fight became the wave two boss. And it's funny but, that, that you say that too, because like nobody even really attempts it anymore. Like there's groups dedicated to selling those slots, but like nobody wants to actually step up and just try to, to do it as a group. And it's so easy. 
it is yeah and people are just have this weird mindset like like uh when you started mentioning av uh, absolute virtue um it made me think of order of courage and i know people to this day that will not try to fight that thing just normally they they only want to use summoners because uh absolute virtue still has the its same notoriety but now he's item level and now he's more dangerous and, and it's not the case like we're powerful enough to not have to go to a single strat now and I mean, if you actually want to do the mechanics and like lock out his his abilities, you you can do that too. Um, but there are some people who continuously collect this this next gear because they want to be like at the proper item level to fight whatever content should should you know destiny come a calling. Um, but they they refuse to actually use any of this gear on anything that uh, that still poses any kind of potential danger that's in their minds. It, it's it's like how how. Um, circuses can control elephants another large game by having them grow up attached to this little this little uh the stake in the ground uh, by a rope like it can hold them when they're young but then when they're older they 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 still think that that stake can hold them and therefore they can just be kept in that area it's the same sort huh. of idea you know i've never summoner burned absolute virtue or uh word of courage i mean obviously summoner burn absolute virtue i didn't i didn't uh summoner burn that ever I ever just, you know, I, I just always uh, fought it normally, like as a rune fencer, just kicking his yeah. ass, that kind of stuff. A blue mage, a dragoon, those kind of things. And just, you know, sometimes you lost, but you generally would win. And I can't imagine today not doing that. But so back in the day, a lot of it was players having to kite fights because they would mm -hmm. get destroyed. Like Karen's a great example. A great world one might yeah. kill your tank or something. And they would kite forever and ever and until it run out of MP. And then they took that away in the newer game. Everything is within a certain area you can't leave. It's a limited time event, and yep. there's no kiting it. There's none of that. And that's one of the biggest changes between old game and new game is having to overcome it by sheer force half the time because you just ignore the mechanics that you know are there. And you can't, like, there's no kiting and stuff. used to kind of be rather interesting. Yeah, you know, the ability to sort of, like, think on your feet, adjust on the fly, um, those things are not a part of, at least that I've found, modern MMOs. And, you know, specifically FF14. I feel like I'm doing a lot of comparing between 11 and 14, but I did play both kind of extensively. Um, you know, with Final Fantasy fourteen, a friend of mine, Diamelos, has this uh, sort of great uh, term that he likes to use a lot. You're doing team jump rope. You're just memorizing patterns. The patterns usually come in the exact same order. So as long as you can do Simon says, you can you can figure your way through this fight. And the only variable is how, how much damage you do. And at what point does it go to its next phase? Like, how quickly can you push it to its next phase? That's those those seem to be the only big variables in Final Fantasy fourteen fights. Whereas in Final Fantasy eleven fights, you had the ability to wipe, recover. You know what I mean? Like, there were so many different there were so many different variables. Like, yeah, if you got in a really bad situation where your tank went down, the uh, thief could go ahead and start kiting. Um, you know, there was, there was a whole bunch of different strategies that you could use to, um, to end up ultimately overcoming the challenge. And, and it's kind of unfortunate that that sort of like, uh, 
like a bit like that ability to call the shots, like the ability to sort of like command a group on the fly and make those sort of decisions. Um, you know, I think it, it, it's removed something out of MMO leadership for sure. Yes. Right. Like I, re- I remember back playing, you know, my, my link shell leaders during final fantasy 11, how, you know, uh, they had spreadsheets. They were, you know, they had shit under control, right? Like they knew, you know, what we were doing next and they were prepping everyone for the next piece of content, yada, yada. Whereas, you know, FF14, it's like, eh, just hit the thing and queue with a whole bunch of randos or be a part of a static. But, like, that static's not, like, tracking what gear is dropping to who and, you know, like, trying to do what's best for the group. Maybe if you're, if if you've got a raid leader who is, like, a super type A personality, but that sort of, like, organization and ability to run a group is not is not something that i really associate with modern mmo raid leadership definitely not and you know we we made this outline uh here and we haven't even really had to use any points from it because we're just on either really good related conversation or just you know straight up covering it without the need of an outline whatsoever so this you know this would be an episode for funkworks you just uh hard out here and (laughs) i have to say we didn't tell Anira about this. We need to take a break for our sponsors right now. Hold on. Uh, here we go. A plug from our sponsors. Have you fallen and can't get up? Have the rotten boards and windersed walls finally given way underneath the weight of years of neglect? Call GM Dave. GM Dave will happily aid you in any issues you've experienced. RMT's got you down. AH manipulators causing you crap. Uh, stuff not to sell. Call GM Dave. Venadil's premier fixer. If you place your call in the next 20 minutes, GM Dave will provide you with a picture of you and Jermungan for free. That's right, free. Please note, the use of GM Dave's services will not guarantee your safety or safety of those around you. Also, while Jermungan is a GM Dave's loyal pet, what the fuck in Vonadil does not assume any risks or damages for being spike foiled. Excellent. Oh, GM Dave. <laughs> and that was our sponsor. What's your... Zon. Uh... What you're talking about when it comes to like the way the old content is versus new content, I don't even know how to respond to the DM. <laughs> we don't take any responsibility. I just tried to. So I'll take the I'll take the reins there because I was going to segue into this intentionally. Into that is, um, we talked about absolute virtue and stuff, and the reason I think that the fights became these controlled time limited events is because in their mind they had started getting away from these epic battles that had gotten them some bad press. So there was that 30-hour Absolute Virtue fight uh, from Toothless here. He had a blog spot. Remember when everyone had blog spots and live journals? I, I remember Toothless. Toothl- we had Toothless on Limit Break Radio. Oh, did you? I, I, I don't know anything about it besides he played back in the day. But he had his, his post here about how they had a 30-hour Absolute Virtue fight. And then there was that uh, story about the 18-hour pandemonium warden that yep. got picked up on all the news outlets and then se got embarrassed by the negative press being absolutely ridiculous of people passing out in the fight they designed you know because there comes a certain limit where figure it out chumps when there's not limits set on it uh can yeah. create the situations of this is their fault and they let this happen and they look they look bad they get kind of a you know some bad shaming press 
So after that 18-hour pandemonium warden fight all over the news and making it to the, the record books, um, <laughs> even though it wasn't the longest at that time, or maybe maybe it was when the 30-hour episode of Virtue came after, it would have been somewhere around there. They limited those fights, both of those fights, to two hours. And mm-hmm. that, I think, was the start of what we have today of players don't have the time or we're transitioning to a more friendly, casual experience and they've taken away being able to fight for more than, I mean, outside of match trials for an hour, nothing is more than 30 minutes. So it's kind of more casual, but it's also eliminated a lot of the things that make that old nostalgic high, uh, you know, something that we have. Yeah, but it, I mean, I, I think you got, I think you've got a couple of really good points there where it's like, at some point it's like, dude, no one to cut your fucking losses, right? You're at 30 hours and like, or, uh, you know, I, 18, I 17th hour. You're kind of like me. We should stop you're 18 hours. And it's like, I get it that like, you're like one of three groups that have popped this thing and you're trying to learn as much as possible. But like, at what point do you just like fucking pack that shit in? Cause we had a host who was a part of the first pandemonium warden kill team. Like the, the actual, like, like Square Enix and Play Online recognized the people for yeah. taking down the very first Pandemonium Warden. Uh, uh, Nika, who was at the time her character name was Vicky, uh, was a part of that group. She she uh, was a part of that run, and they didn't take it. Did not take them eighteen hours to successfully kill it. It was something like I think it was eight or nine. It's a long but time. It was, still. it was still a long time, but it was not. It was not. Um, you know, it wasn't no 18 hours. And, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, we knew we had figured it out and we were making progress. But like, yeah, dude, uh, if if that thing was regenning back to 100% health and you're at hour number, you know, 17, maybe it's time to call it. Um, so, you know, I, I think that that's, that's a, a you know, it, while it is a bit nostalgic to be like, oh, these epic huge fights, dude, if, any, if there was even the remotest possibility that I was going to do content that was going to be longer than three hours, I would never, ever do that content. And I mean, you could say that that's just where I'm at in life because I'm, you know, 36 years old and I know that I don't want to, I don't want to do anything for three hours. I definitely want to watch a movie for three hours. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, there's no way that I want to fight the same fucking boss for three fucking hours. You, you just, you can't make that sell to there's me. There's no I way mean, it's still interesting. Yeah, I'll do anything else. I'll, I'll, you know, give me any other piece of content, just not the three hour thing. Anero sits down and says, get this slow boat Scorsese shit out of here. I'm not watching the Irishman. <laughs> right. Right. Like, I, you know, dude, the Godfather, forget it. If it's not done by two hours and 45 minutes, I don't want to see it. Um, it's going to make you, know, you an offer that you can't refuse. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, one of the, it's just one of those things where it's like, you know, if there was a fight that could be the possibility of being that long, I will never, ever be interested in taking part of it, so, uh, part in it. So it's like the 30-minute time limit, the 60-minute time limit thing, like that I'm, I'm so okay with. Uh, because I, I just, you know, those long epic fights were just so, it, it's so rare that you could find a group of people who would be like down for that sort of challenge. Um, but, I, you know, like, yeah, I do think that Square Enix also like reacted to that. That was the first time that I ever saw Square Enix like 
react to negative press where they were like, oh shit, maybe we should rethink this. You know, like maybe like like because they always really like kind of got off on the fact that absolute virtue is so hard and like they would kind of thumb their nose at the community and be like, figure it out, assholes. This was the first time where they were like, did we go too far? Was this I, was this I too think, much? Uh, I think it was just uncharted space. Like from a company's perspective, they probably were just trying not to get sued because there was like no practice in place to like protect them from it outside of their disclaimer, you know? Sure. So, I mean, I can definitely understand, like, a company like that big putting out a, a product that's basically one of the first of its kind, sort of, um, and running into this particular situation that was fairly unique and then just getting, like, the shit suit out of them because they didn't have the foresight to protect people who couldn't protect themselves, so. Was there that, that lawsuit against them for character deletion or something, too, that someone in no. California tried to bring out because they wanted the so, character? Ironically enough, I, I don't know that I don't think they ever got sued for like these huge epically long battles. The thing that did get them sued was play online is so fucking antiquated and hard to navigate that <laughs> that someone goes up trying to figure out how to cancel their kids. Oh, I remember this Final Fantasy Eleven and said, "Fuck it, it's less complicated to sue you in the court." Uh, it, it, you know, like in the state of California, that's wow. like, like that's that's insane levels of like, I, you know, like first of all, the person had to be a complete fucking luddite, but like at the same time, <laughs> they do live in California. Like, I mean, yeah, to be fair, like like you know, but like to like look at the 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 legal the 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 legal infrastructure of California and go, I would rather navigate that than this. You know, like give me, give me, you know, six months in the California legal system versus another twenty minutes with this goddamn machine. I could see some boomer completely making that decision, and that's exactly what happened. They they got they got sued, and that's what um, they they I at one point had instituted like an easy subscription cancellation policy and. I mean, since they've they've now made it easier with um, what's the web app that they have now? That's sort of like the Mog Station, but for oh, uh, the, the website. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the, so the you, website you thing. To, yeah, you don't even need to download Play Online or do any of that shit anymore. So it's just to me, it's so it's so funny where they're like, yeah, we we caused major physical distress in like twenty or twenty five people. Uh, but the thing that actually got us in trouble was our shitty, uh, you know, pre-logon system. And it would crash, too, during bad times. Like, during updates or heavy traffic, it would just crash oh, and yeah. not load. It, just, it, it would, just you couldn't, couldn't work. cancel if you wanted to. It would just yeah, crap out. Exactly. exactly. But Cal California is kind of like Florida in, like, a Ralph Lauren polo with some Kmart khakis and a pair of Birkenstocks, you know? It's, 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 that's the kind of animal we're talking about here. <laughs> Oh, man. Yeah. So let's go back to those sub-job combos that are dead. So we have White Mage Summoner, I could think of. Uh, Paladin Sub Ninja. Uh, that, that, you know. Paladin Sub Red Mage as well for Phalanx. Uh, against, like, uh, Ultima or something. Uh, Beast Sub White Mage with Gaudy Harness. Did, uh, did you guys not have access to the Brady Guide? Because the Brady Guide had some truly nice. stunning jobs. 
job combinations. We don't talk about the Brady games guide, so, so says oh, the meme. You, you mentioned Brady White Mage. It's like a paladin, except you don't have the benefit of another sub job. We have a page for Brady games on the wiki. <laughs> when I when when Carrot was moving out from California to be with me, because I had convinced yeah. her to throw her life away down the gutter, uh, she had a Brady games guide, <laughs> and I made her leave it. She did not take it with her. I said if she wants wow. another one, it's ninety nine cents on Amazon. Not taking it. Yeah, the uh, the main issue with the Brady games guide, like if you if you really look at it, it's is like it a Reddit like guide. The people who wrote that. I, I don't think the people who wrote that were really into MMOs at all, or, or its leveling system or anything. It seems like everyone who wrote it wrote it from the perspective of someone who's like level eleven plus some hints from SE. You know, about, it's funny because every guy about, in like, what the job will end up getting. Yeah, every guy in Alakazam was just an upgraded Brady Games guide. The the guide read like someone who was told once about Final Fantasy eleven by like somebody else who had kind of heard about it and like thought it was sort of cool <laughs> and trying to like convince somebody else to like pick it up but like no the clearly no one who actually spent any time with the game was involved with writing that thing monk sub red mage and spells yeah, yeah those, exactly. people, those people would have never even been to like level 50 or anything because i mean some things start to change at level 50 with like the weapon skills you get access to or party comps and like what what your uh, what your healers and supports are now capable of doing? Like a lot of things started changing at around that level back then, like between levels forty and fifty. And none of those things that the guide writes about in those jobs, even though they know what's coming up, like they, they know what gets unlocked, but none of them are written from that perspective at all. Uh, because I I guarantee you, none of them were were at that level. Like nobody spent six months on the Brady Games guide team leveling a job. And let alone leveling all the jobs past 50. Like, imagine how much time that would have taken them. Dude, you know none of the frickin' dunes. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I, I just kind of, like, now I can look at it and be like, yeah, they, they just had no idea what's going on. Sure, this is a fun piece of, uh, fun piece of guide. But at the end of the day, like, they, they were, like, putting out a product that was so, un, that was so incomplete. But the genius of it is that anyone reading it wouldn't know that it's incomplete. Yeah, they would have no idea. Yeah, exactly. What are they going to do? Check game facts? <laughs> what are they going to do? Check their level 50 character that doesn't Dude, exist? Dude, apparently game facts still has some 11 posts and like like recent 11 forum posts on there or something. Because I came across one that was like somewhat recent somehow looking something like searching deep for something. And apparently people still post on gamefacts.com under the Final Fantasy 11 section. Wow. Yeah, I know. I know. The fact that anyone still posts there under any section is, is a shock. Dude, that was like that kind of thing, like CheatCodes.com that you had back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and it just shouldn't exist now. It's like a GeoCities page. Yeah, right. It's like, like it's, it's a complete relic from the past. There was, there was one day where I saw like one of those memes where it was like, I'm this old. And it was just four screen captures of like the ASCII... <laughs> sort of like panels from the top of game facts and i'm like oh god i mean i'm oh, yeah. so much older than that but like yeah yeah i remember all that oh my god yo let me just open up my icq chat log here oh my god 
Uh, it's funny. I was I, uh, a friend of mine, Will, and I were uh, just like like we have this this obsession with this uh, website called Everything Is Terrible, where Clopedia? they find huh? Clopedia? No. <laughs> Uh, but everything is terrible is like they find old VHS, uh, you know, like stuff in like dollar bins and old St. Vincent de Paul's and, uh, you know, Salvation Armies. And they just have this like gigantic library of just sh- just shit that like like infomercials and just stuff that you would find on Agent VHS. Agent Cody Banks, too. Yeah, exactly. Or like, um, you know, a random episode of like James Bond Jr. from like 1993. And uh, we were we were just like kind of dicking around and looking for something to watch. We found the very first, at least known, uh, uh, video game awards. And it was called Cybermania 94. Look it up. It's on YouTube. It's absolutely hysterical. Not because of the people, yes, because of the people who host it, but not because they're particularly funny, but just because it's the most bizarre, like, like video game awards ceremony that you've ever seen. It's hosted by Jonathan Taylor Thomas, which, okay, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. I heard the the name. I, I, you know, what is this like, you know, Tim the Two Man Taylor? Yeah, yeah, the kid from Home Improvement. Yeah. Is that really? Yes, yeah, I, that's, that's what exactly sounds familiar. That's why I guess. Let's revisit that this is called Cybermania, <laughs> and uh, people people at work should probably make sure that they're not looking this up. <laughs> no, no, you should look it up because it's <laughs> it's totally wholesome entertainment. I think uh, I think Fox is talking about the search results. Like if you type "dick sporting goods" in wrong. Oh well, Penn Island. Don't go to whitehouse.com. Go to whitehouse.gov. I, yeah, yeah. I, I like, is that still like, a thing? I don't know. I, it was when I was a, when when the internet was very. I remember young. that. Yeah, yeah. I, you would always hear that from your teachers. Go to whitehouse.gov, not .com. If I find you catch on .com, you're going to be in trouble. Um, no, I went to it just now. I put in whitehouse.com. It goes to White House Beta, free election betting site. And it goes, do you think Trump will be the president nominee in 2024? And it has, like, betting and everything. Click here to get $500 and play money bets. That's so much worse than porn. I know. It's so much worse. Dude, 50.8% think Medicare for All will be approved. <laughs> yeah, it's just, okay. like, major government betting? <laughs> Apparently, it's, wow. it's betting on the government. I mean, listen, DraftKings is just completely out of control at this uh, point. That's a game of skill, I'll have you know. They're all they said in Congress, <laughs> and now they're just advertising there and they can get free money and gamble. But anyway, I, I bet you're wondering who would be the perfect co-host for Jonathan Taylor Thomas. And, of course, the answer is, yes, Leslie Nielsen. So <laughs> who doesn't want to watch an award show that's hosted by young like twelve-year-old Jonathan Taylor Thomas and like sixty-year-old goddamn the fucking Nielsen. the fucking naked gun. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. It it is that the is strength. the weirdest combo since Justin Bieber as a kid and anyone and ludicrous. Oh, it gets so much stranger when they throw to New Jersey and, it's Will, and it's Will Arnett of all people, host, you know, just doing like a back and forth with kids who are playing. Mortal Kombat, like it's just 
It, I, like, I felt like I had fallen into a different world. I couldn't believe I had never seen Why, it. Why, New Jersey? I, was, I don't know. I, I don't I, I think the whole thing was shot from Atlantic City, if I'm not mistaken. I don't know. Oh, well, uh, fringe. The Atlantic City on the fucking needles below the boardwalk. Yeah. So, uh, if you're looking for a way to kill about two hours and 14 minutes, which, by the way, has an amazing musical score from what? none other than i know i know i know I, you know i know i can see what you're thinking who better than to get to perform at a uh, uh, uh an award show about video games than none other than jazz legend herbie hancock oh, <laughs> are you kidding me watermelon man watermelon man are you yeah, fucking kidding me man he he plays a song where i think a 16 year old white girl comes out and raps for a couple of lines, what? but it certainly it certainly is no watermelon. This man. is well before you know, Miley Cyrus. Oh, dude, it is so good. It is it's the weirdest, most you know '90s thing ever, but it's like hundred percent worth watching. By the way, by the way, produced by none other than Jeff Keeley, who still produces video game awards to this day. I how is this not a meme? I, it is now. I ha I can't figure out how the rest of the internet hasn't found it by now. Cybermania. Cybermania. There's, look at there's all the everything. Is, it's a perfect storm. There's other golden it's things out there. So good. If you look up the Star Fox 64 Nintendo Power trailer or whatever, that yeah. is that is like on the level I'm imagining here. <laughs> they hook a toy Mario up to car batteries and torture them so they give you details about the Rumble Pack for the Star Fox 64 features. That's a lot darker than I was picturing in my head. It's hysterical. The guy goes, pizza for Bob. I'm Bob. I didn't order any pizza. And like gas comes out and he falls asleep. It's just like a, it, it's a promo for Star Fox 64. <laughs> it's got a guy landing a parachute at the start of it with a big, a big thing. The Eagle has landed. I repeat, the Eagle has landed with like one of these government vans that's disguised behind them. All to learn about Star Fox 64, apparently. The 90s were a fucking weird time, man. Really, really weird. So, before we get off the Cybermania thing, so when I said Agent Cody Banks 2, yeah. I'll give you the picture of what just happened. As I was saying that, Carrot walks in with, with no pants and the cat swaddler, and the cat, because we're doing no pants for podcast, of course, we didn't coordinate this, and the cat is in the cat swaddler, and she's coming to get the bowl to feed the cat, and I say Agent Cody Banks 2. And she just looks up at me and gives me this look and looks at me. And she says, I'm going to leave now and turns around and then turns around before she leaves and says, Cody Banks was my favorite anime. <laughs> uh, she looked at me with disgust. I was cracking up while you're talking about cybermania. Speaking of speaking of disgusting, does anyone remember Eco Warrior and Escort Quests? Of course, I never did it. I did Eco Warrior once, and it was a trip. I, I did some escort quests, but I never did any, like, really any of the other stuff because I was just too busy 18 you know, selling man, my sold H&Ms. 18 man alliance level 20 through Ordell's Caves to beat up a, a, a tainted flesh NM thing. It was oh, quite yeah. the yelling for an hour, yell, running on foot or chocoboing to a spot in Ordell's no one knew and kept asking where's the spot for. And then all being level sync twenty and trying to fight this thing, it was it was a it was an ordeal, an ordeal and ordeal. 
Yeah, no, I was it was never something that I participated in, but I would always laugh at people who would be shouting for it. It was funny to like, shout for it for some reason. <laughs> like like oh you poor bastard. I know what you're in for. I don't really, but I know I know conceptually what you're in for. And you know what the reward was for all that effort and time and all that tragedy? Uh, like a Dragon Knight's memoirs or whatever, which was like a level 20 item that gave you like 200 experience points. Amazing. The things we did for experience points. And you got a you title. Know. You got Eco Warrior, uh, Bestalk, or Sandy, or whatever you did. But that was, that was the, the glory was the title. You know, and yeah. people get mad that we don't respect their time. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know about all these memes. You only heard, you know, 20 minutes of the last episode of Samurai here. True. True. A, lot of, a lot of memes. You don't even know Daddy's Love. That's our number. That was our first meme. That was Fox's first baby. That's our, that's our famous Daddy's Love. It's sad yeah, that's, because it's not I mean, actually a meme for me. I I mean, I've got so many memes back from the LBR days, you know, the ass box, bleep bloop. What is ass box? Um, oh, oh, the ass box. You don't know about the secret equip ass box items? <laughs> we, we, there, was one day, there was one day we were talking about, you know, like, this was right around when uh, grips and uh-huh. uh, re, like the two-hand really, weapon adjustment. Yeah, and like like around that same time, it wasn't the same update, but around that same time, they added a whole bunch of like ammo weapons that were usable for like physical, like so like the bomb core and stuff like the that. The smart grenade. Yeah, that kind of stuff, right? So we were talking about the, I think it was the Black Tathalum one day, oh, and, and, they, and someone was like, man, I wish I could equip two of them. And so we came up with the ass box where, yeah, you just, you know, you got two black half ones and you figure out how to insert the other one. And, you know, this is why not only I love your personality and everything and you're, you know, we need another baritone voice to compete with Fox here. Although, you know, it's kind of tampered down by the phone, but your, your perspective of being around for so long and doing so many podcasts and stuff on that, you could recall that. And that, that topic will get us into the nostalgia that arises from that of two-handed weapons in this game used to actually be like a joke or, or considered, I don't know if they were a joke, but they were widely considered inferior to oh, yeah. using on um, warrior would always use like a, you know, a, a double axes. Yeah. Double axes or an ax. And uh, if you were lucky enough to throw some riddles on some shit, uh, or, uh, you know, like that's where, um, I think that's where like crack and eater dark nights started too. Which was like, you know, it, it, it's sort of like an extreme example of that because like Kraken Club still is not exactly an easy item to get. Um, but it was it was out of this idea that like, yeah, two two handed uh, weapons are just dog shit. And uh, to be fair, at the time they were um, and, you know, grips and uh, Hasso uh, helped quite a bit with that. Um, but yeah, that, that overall two handed, uh, uh, adjustment was like a really like for, for, uh, cause my, my job has always been dark Knight, and it's really the only job that I truly give a shit about. Um, you know, it was, it was sort of like a game changer for me cause it was like, I struggled to get parties. Like I was still, you know, the, it's, it's funny the reason that it took some people a lot longer to level than others 
was because there were just some jobs that people didn't want for XP parties because they either put up really shitty damage numbers or, you know, they had uh, little to no damage mitigation. Um, there were there were a lot of reasons why you didn't want to bring a Dragoon or a Dark Knight to an XP party because it would drag down the XP for everyone else that was in it too. And that and, also got worse because it, it depended on the level range you were at also. Yeah, absolutely. It, it it was far worse at like like dunes. It didn't matter. Dunes like your your stats are crunched so low that it almost doesn't doesn't matter. But it was like Yatonga jungle uh, through like um, at least level forty five ish until you started to get some of those heavier hitting weapon skills you know, guillotine or uh, spinning slash um, that, you know, you you, you really struggled because, like, yeah, you you were hitting freeze bite on things and just, like, you know, hitting for 240 damage a weapon skill. It was depressing. And leveling took so long that there was a maybe a five, maybe seven level window for Dark Knight, for example, where they got access to Rampage before guillotine. And they would yeah. spam Rampage with an offhand sword or an act, another accent like that, even though their skill was lower, because Rampage was the most damaging weapon skill they could use until they got guillotined in a few levels. Yeah, and, and you know, for me, you know, as a Dark Knight, like, I was a Dark Knight that hated scythes. Like, everyone's, I think everyone's kind of got, like, their own sort of, like, we, like, at least one job that they're kind of weird about. And, like, mine obviously was Dark Knight, like, kind of being a career Dark Knight and, and that, like, being my favorite job. Um, but I really like swords. I've always been a fan of swords, and I always hated, like, a uh, scythe, a thing that you cut down wheat with. That's not a terribly That's a threatened... It's a really that... weird weapon we're using. It's it's same difference. But, like, it's not... Yeah, it's not really not really considered a weapon it's more considered a farm tool um so i was always a bigger fan of of greatsword and i got so much shit in parties especially yeah yeah, especially because it would be like please just use guillotine please and until i got spinning slash it was like i i really can't win this argument and yeah you didn't get the spinning Um, slash to like 67 or 72 or something like that something like that yeah it was really far like and i think you got guillotine at like 58 or something uh spinning slash you get at 66 dark knight if you're capped on skill yeah but i'm pretty sure guillotine came way guillotine is is, uh 60 Oh wow! Okay, so not not as not as far away. And as I Rampage was fifty six Dark Knight. Oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Then that that's that that was usually the evolution of it. But most people were just like, "Yeah, it's, Scythe is fine." But even then, Spinning uh, Slash was it? I know they changed weapon skills, and like as I look at it here, it's not going to have the right. Uh, it has a negative FTP on it, but it has higher mods as a forward attack. So. I mean, so the main and it's a single hit too. So you had, you, you know, like with guillotine, it's a five hit. So one of those, one or two of those could miss. And of course, being Dark Knight, like your biggest, your biggest foe is your own fucking accuracy. So it's like spinning slash. You had a lot more opportunity to miss. You know, and um, if you if you look at pre treasures, also like a lot of a lot of what would happen is your skill chain compatibility is what mattered because the party would yeah. ideally want a black mage. Yeah. Yeah, and guillotine so, didn't skill chain for shit. It's in duration, but spinning slash seems all around better. It's fifty percent attack boost, 
uh, at 1,000 TP, it's 2.5 FTP versus guillotine's negative for four-hit multi-hit. And although you're going to miss that hit, you're going to miss the extra hits on guillotine because yeah. back then accuracy is a big problem. And sure, 5% of the time you would definitely <laughs> always miss spinning yeah. slash, but you get that 100% accuracy boost even back then, which was huge. True. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that, that I... <laughs> I'm not sure that I was able to quite articulate all of that stuff, but I would basically tell people to shove it. I'm fine. I'm just going to use my sword. Um, it, you know, and it's, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, there were so many different ways to sort of play this game and to, and for it to be valid, right? Like so many different ways to like approach playing FF 11 and have that approach end up like working out like yeah maybe it was suboptimal in some instances but for the most part like fuck it it worked i'm a real you know one of my real good friends uh zero serenity shout out to zero i know uh he listens to this this show um it, you know cool. uh, it, his his big thing back in the day was uh uh melee white mage like we did a whole show with him about about you know can you effectively melee as a white mage? And, you know, you figured out ways to be able to do it. With and 75 some... is more plausible than now. I don't Absolutely. Argue. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, it, it was one of those things where it's like, there's just so many, vari- there's like so many, so many varieties of combinations between gear and sub job and, and, you know, uh, now you have, you know, uh, merits and stuff like that. There's so many different ways to like hit out your, your character that, um, you know, there's just, there's a lot of validity in, in different approaches, which I always really appreciated. Like people used to shit on Beastmaster all the time and pop. And it was like, oh. dude, there were pe- and there, but there were people who would do like amazing things with it, make videos. And then, you know, it'd be like, well, that showed us up. You know, yeah. Well, I mean the 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 thing that most people did all the time, all day, every day was XP. Like they did the other stuff right. very few, like comparatively. And like when you look at a Beastmaster, because they were like effectively useless in XP to most people. Uh, yeah, th- that's that's why it's like Law Beast because mm-hmm. Beast isn't used in our everyday activities. Right. Uh, back, you know, in the '75 era, a lot of stuff wasn't understood like it was today. Um, True. I'm sure there's a bullet point there Fox hated that we'll touch. I had to look at it. Um, not that I'm trying to knock them down, but just I remember him saying pre-show <laughs> he 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 had his ire raised at one of the points. Um, fine, I'll just look at. It. Was people not understanding? People actually mine for fish? No. Mm. Oh, I don't remember what it was anymore either. It was like people not understanding mechanics or something. That that's too broad. I, I forget what it was. There's something to the fact that people not understanding mechanics. But back then things were so dogmatic, like um if you didn't use this weapon combo, you were using garbage. If you used Damaru, it was, you know, you're using shit. You should never use Damaru, even though that was the better weapon skill body for samurai. Or, you know, there was just, everyone was dogmatic about these random things. Don't use Ace's Helm. Like, people had this thing about Ace's Helm versus Turban, and it was like this ridiculous, this ridiculous argument about it, and things like that. But, and, but at the same time, there was this mystique to, 
you know, being a newer player back then, I was like, wow, Pup gets daggers. Is there a situation where I could make these daggers like a thing I use on Pup? And like, just like people using random weapon combos that, yeah, yeah. sometimes everyone knew it was garbage, but just there was a bit more of a mystique to it. Like the fog of war hadn't cleared. Like today, there's not yeah. that same, like if you're running around on summoner or black mage with a dagger i remember using a dagger campaign was awesome because you could do some weird shit and it didn't matter i used a dagger yep. on black mage and campaign one time i didn't do it very often but different approaches to get energy drain up so that i could get mp back well there's so many mobs to fight and you didn't want to sit there and rest on black mage because there's no way to get your mp back that you would just right. be like fuck it if it's gonna if the campaign battle is gonna last an hour i might as well just fight an energy drain and then nuke things after that like a real black mage and yeah. not because you know resting was really boring and like the fight's going on and you're just like hold on guys one more tick one second i'm almost there <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and but nowadays you don't have that same mystique because we understand more and it's like you know there's different situations that arise in the same token that we didn't experience like you know using hand-to-hand -hand on ninja outside of kiting uh, like for hand-to-hand -hand for damage is a thing that you can actually sometimes run into the need to do on Ninja. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, those things are still with us. But, like, back then it was just kind of like you would approach everything with that, like, yo, I'm going to be warrior and I'm going to use nothing but swords. And, like, you were like, everyone's running with a great axe, corny, and idiot. But, like, you could do swords. It just wasn't, you know, Vorpal Blade was kind of, eh. One of my oh, favorite yeah. situations that happened to me back then was I was a level 51 Ninja when I was leveling it just the first time, obviously. And I went sub-black mage because I was already a red mage and I was already a black mage. So I was like, wait a sec, I know what elemental staves do. So I went ninja sub-black mage to this party and I was, uh, I was level 51. And they go, I, I, re I remember them saying that uh, they didn't like check my sub-job before I got out there. And they're like, well, why are you sub-black mage? You can't be part of this. And they actually kicked me from the party. <laughs> <laughs> and then I proceeded to solo the, the, v the VT mobs that, that were next to them while they were looking for another ninja because I was just elemental wheeling them to death. And then I got reinvited. That's hilarious. <laughs> They're like, dude, girl, yeah. look at, and that was a thing back then you would do something crazy. Cause you understood you could do it. And no one else really did like that. Not that it was unheard of, but it just was not spread around. Like, you know, the, the tabloids yeah. or something. And to do that, everyone would be like this. It's all like, they just watch you discover fire for the first time. Yeah, like they, they, it completely blew their mind that damage like that could exist, and that was like one of the the one things that I was like like proud that I figured out on my own. Not that I'm like the first one to do it, but I did figure that one out on my own because I had the experience with these other jobs, and uh, just the fact that I brought that to the table, no one had ever seen it before, and no one had ever killed that quickly because most people remember like the quicksand caves ish time period when you go to kill mobs. Like that's a real slog because now your your XP is jumping up from like. 4k to next level and all of a sudden it's like 10,500 to next level and then on top of that you're fighting a really awkward like like v vt it range incredibly tough range of mobs that like everyone has like really you're too early for the camp for. yeah you're like too early for the camp but there's no other camp that really fits you so like every kill takes fucking forever and then like here here you roll in on on this job that's only known as being a tank and they're like well how are, how are you gonna be able to tank the mob and i'm just like well let me show you no. I'm going to do it through damage. And then 15 years later, Fox goes, hey, how are we in this? And Fox goes, well, let me show you because you don't understand. <laughs> right. I, I put the strategy out. Did anyone read it? Anyone read the strat? Uh, it's, it's, that's more too much attitude. Fox will go, and this is why we read the strategies I put out. You know? <laughs> 
it's true. A lot of a lot of my interactions with game is summarized by that. You know, Fox will just calmly go, you know, I do post this before we do this. And it has like this this dad tone of I'm not mad. I'm just disappointed. <laughs> and I'm not coming back from the grocery store. <laughs> Daddy's love is done. Going to go pick up that pack of cigarettes and never come back. That's right. So I mentioned before, like maybe two hours ago, I don't even know how long I've been doing this for, um, that the Xbox thing, it's been two hours. Uh, the Xbox thing being a problem and having the most issues. I remember there being a lot of bug patches with that, but remember when Besiege would take like five hours, six hours, seven hours, just, you know, long-ass epic Besieges? You guys remember, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I do remember that. Imagine there being a problem on Xbox where you get to the end of the Besiege and you crash when you get that cutscene and you get no reward after seven hours of fighting on Besiege. And it happened for years. Yeah, I because I did have uh, an Xbox copy, and I want to say that that didn't that bug persist into Wings with yes. uh, um, uh, campaign. Um, sometimes you would crash. It wasn't like as widespread as for something. The Xbox would, I, I guess, like run I... out of resources and just chug along and crash at the end when the cutscene would come. Yeah. I I know that like the the framework the frame rate would just dive to absolute fucking nothing during those those battles, but like I want to say that I had more problems crashing during campaign than I ever did besieged. Maybe it was just because I did more I besieged on, on PC. I played I don't on know. 360 uh, during that time that you're talking about. I did not crash once. I was aware I of the issue all the time. I I never crashed. And friends would too. On Skype, they would yell, "I crashed." Yeah. Dude, that's something we don't do anymore as well. Like, you might do it in Discord, but it seemed like back then when everyone was just running around, like, a besieged or a campaign, like these random group events, Walk of Echoes, even being later, um, people would just be on Skype just talking, just like, you know, they yeah. they go about their day, I'm mm-hmm. going to go make lunch, and they come back, and you'd be like, oh, we're in this campaign zone now, and you just hang out. I remember just having these day-long parties of just hanging out on Skype with people who joined the link shell and would get in the Skype room, and just collectively as a random group of people making new friends and just fighting you know the journey along the way uh just in campaign and just like that's something i've never had since that time period the besieging campaign skype parties which i'm glad skype's gone because no one used push to talk and it was a nightmare (laughs) but that was a very special thing yeah uh it's it's funny uh limit break radio had like a community of, uh, you know, because we had a, a, a forum uh, in our very, very early days. And Everyone out of that did. forum, uh, yeah, I know. But out of that forum grew a, like, a, like a sub-community of, like, people that would hang out, all, like, almost all day on Skype together. And uh, I always thought that that was, like, really cool. Like, like it was weird because I... I I felt like I was like, I took part in it like once or twice in its entire time that it went on. But it was like, there were people that they, they, there were people who would get up, get on Skype and hang out for years. And I was like, Oh my God, this is just like this yeah. weird thing that sprung up and it was totally organic. It was kind of cool. I think we experienced that today through the lens of Twitch and just watching someone else do it, but being in the chat, but it's clearly not the yeah. same because you're not talking to them and, interacting with them you're just kind of participating as an audience member which is odd to me i mean for your 
you're Twitch and everything. I can get into it. And like you talk to people there. It's like very interactive. But a lot of times people just kind of like play the game and like look over occasionally to read and respond. You like make it yeah. like an interactive radio broadcast, which is what makes it so, so fun. But it's really not the same because, I mean, I remember hanging out. We, we'd make auctionhouse.com Skype groups and I'd have Surge mm-hmm. flying hard. Um, uh, Ali Morrill and... Um, the fuck is her name i know her name i can't zephyrus and fucking zephyrus uh with the black mage hat avatar and we would just be like we would just ship post collectively in a skype call and just post <laughs> and just actively troll together in like this brigade of just people on skype and like uh, surge only was in there a couple times with us sometimes he'd be in there sometimes he'd be fucked up on ambient and then i didn't talk to surge for <laughs> For all these years. Yeah, ambient zombie. He posted that recently in the Discord. He's like, why are you the, the spokesman for my penis? And I go, I think that was something fucked up he said on ambient, and I just ran with it. <laughs> because he was legitimately confused how it happened. And I didn't even fucking remember it whatsoever. But uh, I didn't, I, you know, that was like that. And then I didn't talk to him for over like over 10 years plus. And then one day, <laughs> he's at my wedding. You know, <laughs> you know it's, it's all really weird. That's wild. I mean, like, you know, the, the friends that you make on this game, you know, some of them really like, you know, like, I, I think I'm probably, I have more close friends because of the time I spent on Final Fantasy XI than, you know, almost any other, um, you know, online game. And I've played a lot of them. Like, you know, FF11 wasn't my first MMO. My My first MMO was Ultima Online. Like, way, way back in, like, God, that must have been in like 1999 when I started playing Ultima. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, I, you know, I feel like I've been a part of more than a few, you know, online communities, whether it's, you know, the link shell that I'm in or the guild that I was a part of or whatever it is. Um, but, you know, the, 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 the people that you meet on FF11, like, some of those people are, you know, still some of my very, very close friends to this day. And it, again, you know, I made the joke about shared trauma, but it's like, it's, it's that whole, like, pressure builds diamonds sort of thing, uh, where, like, I think that you, you wind up with, with better, closer friendships uh, out of, uh, a, you know, a shared struggle than you do out of, um, you know, modern MMO playing, which is just sort of like very, you know, short amounts of time that you end up interacting with people. It feels lonely in modern games. It it is, because I I, like, I don't, I don't chat with people on Final Fantasy XIV the way that I chat with people on FF. That's what I noticed, you know, when I played. Like, I, I can play FF14 and never say anything to anyone, you know, like get thrown into some roulette parties and like, I don't have to say anything. The game know? felt like, like it was built around not being able to talk because you had to respond to yeah. the lights glowing on the ground. You can't stop to chat with someone too. So it felt like it was exactly. built around not talking. Exactly. Yeah, no, I think that's a, that's a very, very good point that, you know, when, when would you have that ability to, to stop and communicate? Um, Whereas, you know, I, there were just, there were entire nights where I, you know, wouldn't be doing anything in Final Fantasy XI other than just chatting, other than just talking to, you know, 
by link shell or you know trolling people in shout or whatever you know what i mean like it, it it's just it, you know those those opportunities exist in final fantasy 14 it's just, uh, for whatever reason because it you know it's it's uh, your presence your reputation in final fantasy 14 doesn't really mean anything um it's not like you're going to you know piss some uh, piss some rando group off and now the the system doesn't allow you to get into groups anymore right like that that kind of shit doesn't happen but in ff11 if you said the wrong thing to to someone like they could like blast you across the entire server and suddenly you know you can't get xp parties anymore because everyone thinks that you peed your pants and you know while you yeah. were raiding the other day you gotta go you to know, dg I mean, forums and post those player warnings cross server yeah exactly exactly like Show me anyone that plays Final Fantasy XIV enough to post a character warning. Like, <laughs> nobody gives a shit. They're not like, even allowed on, on Auction House. Yeah, let's make another party. It'll be auto-assembled for them. Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, I, you switch servers and you can change your name. Like, it, none, of, none of it matters anymore. Not, reputation doesn't matter, you know. Uh, you, who you play with doesn't matter. The people you surround yourself with doesn't matter because it's all transient. It, 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 it's all, you know, like when it can, when there are systems to sort of overcome all of these different social aspects that you needed to interact with, uh, you know, then it all becomes moot. It, it becomes moot and meaningless. And I, I know none of us intended to even talk about 14 as much as we have in this podcast, but of course, when you talk about nostalgia, you know, you need certain comparisons to come up and everything. But I would say I think the big difference in what has given 11 its lasting power and what I don't think will give 14 its lasting power to ever go the same length of time is that 11 was built on more, in my opinion, of being an experience-based platform, of experiencing things with others and and the journey along the way, the the meme of the episode, versus 14 is more like an entertainment platform. Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. It's sort of like, hey, look at all of the various Final Fantasy references that we're going to make along your journey. Hey, here's Kefka. Look, you get to beat him in a circle arena. Hey, here's, uh, you know... Guess uh, what, guys? Aroha is coming out for a fabulous glamour prize crossover with right. 11. Aroha, guys. Aren't you so excited? Yeah, exactly. It, it's it, Again, it's all just sort of like... Superficial. Surface. It's Yeah, it's it's superficial. It's all surface-level bullshit. And that stuff's always bothered me, is why I could never get into 14. I tried. I tried. Most people who I know who have played 14, they, they absolutely love it, but they also tell me this really weird like login habit like they'll, they'll they'll log in for whatever most recent update is kill the next content or whatever like like make sure they get all their content and story stuff done and then they'll and just then stop their subscription and just wait again yeah it's, it's entertainment how many times are you going to watch the same episode yeah it, it's 100 percent correct and and like um you know the the limitbreakradio.com archives are open again so you can kind of go back and and listen to this through the episodes that we did all the way back in the early 2000s but like things that we, you know, the the things that we had said, the reasons that we liked Final Fantasy XI, even up against you know World of Warcraft, which I had played, granted only for twenty seven levels, but like pretty much everyone else who was a part of the cast also was playing World of Warcraft at the same time, was that World of Warcraft would hand you things, 
World of Warcraft would just give you stuff. And and it took the meaning, the struggle, and and the the you know the perseverance of getting that item or that thing, that achievement out of you know uh, uh, you know out of the game. And what was so great about Final Fantasy XI is that it just didn't it didn't give you anything, anything whether it was you know being able to get to level seventy five cap. No, you got Matt to throw in there. You know what I mean? Like, it didn't give you shit. It made you fucking work for it, and it made you earn it. Hey, and on hey. the other side, it really felt like a sense of accomplishment. Like, like there were days where I would go to sleep, and I'd be like, man, I feel like I really got something accomplished today, even though it was just getting past the mammoth fight. Hey, hey, I'll have you know, they gave me an adventurer's coupon when I started. <laughs> right? Like, okay, here. I couldn't figure out how to do it, so I dropped it. Here's 300 gil. Good luck, fucker. It was 20, yeah, I think. Like, I think it was 20 gil. Was it really? It was like Jesus 20 gil. Christ. And I dropped oh it the first God. time. Ugh. Damn that 20 gil, you'll never get that back. And then years later, the same torment. Shamama said, no, this stone's not right. Get me another one. No, this one's not right either, darling. How many but, smooth you know, stones? It just, it, it's, it's one of those things where, like, yeah, like, I, I think that there was just there was something unique in the DNA of of Final Fantasy Eleven that has been written out of not just MMO development but a lot of game development in general, and that's just that this idea that you know it takes time to earn something and to feel like you've accomplished something. And, and a lot of modern players have been conditioned to, to believe that that's not the case anymore as well. Right? Why they buy it? Right. Which is why so many people actually clash with this old style of gaming. Um, even even people who come from our age range, right? Um, they'll still clash with it. You'll still see these people like shortcutting everything using mercs and stuff um, because they want that instant gratification. And they, they it's, all other games around them are, are the same way. And, and that's what, just what they're used to by this point. Keep in mind, life has also changed and that people in general are used to instant gratification more so and everything yeah. being, you know, based around them more so than ever has been. So they kind of just translate that into their online life as well, in my opinion. It's it, it, and it's and it's really interesting when because it, it, now if it, you know it's it's this entire episode has been a lot of comparing between eleven and fourteen, which is funny because the entire time I did an FF fourteen podcast, everyone would always accuse me of comparing everything to FF eleven. So, but like the two <laughs> games are 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 intertwined; they're interlocked. Like there's gooboos. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're made by the same people, so whatever. Um, but, you know, even right down to the way that the narrative and the story is told in Final Fantasy XI versus fourteen, where in eleven you're just a person. Like, you're just a dude. Like, you know, you, you walk into town, you're not a special person, right? Like, the, the, the world doesn't stop and focus on you as the savior of everything, you just happen to be a guy who's in the right place at the right time for some really interesting shit to happen around him. Yeah, like Prish saved the world and, and Sethel saved the world. Um, yes. Not, not you. You were just part of the team. You encouraged Arcella to defeat the, the darkness and save Adeline. You you were there. You were the rock. Of course, you won all the fights on your end, but, you know, you you were there. Like, it was all the characters were the main protagonists, and you were just there to support were- them. And versus exactly. fourteen, when you go in town, like you are the a reason the storyline progresses. 
you're the warrior of light or darkness or rainbows or whatever the fuck warrior it is. Warrior of light. I don't I don't fucking know. But like you're you're yeah, you're the you're the uh the savior of the not only the the world but other worlds and galaxies and universes and you know, multiverses and like everything hinges on you. You are the reason, like you are the crux of the reason that the world turns. And when you are not logged into this world, all of the characters go into stasis. They freeze in place and they wait for your, you know, you to come back online and you can drop right back down into the middle of that, that experience. You know, to me, it's a very single player game experience. That's a, it's a, a lot of single player games use that sort of like narrative structure to like all every plot point hinges on you, the player character, and this whole story is your adventure. Whereas in Final Fantasy XI, it's very much not that. You, it, like you had said, you're just a guy who's there to help Arciella or to help Prish or to help Lion. Yeah, you, you know, are an adventurer and help adventurer. Exactly. Please save me, not you are the adventurer. From yes. a storytelling standpoint, that also struck me as just better continuity as well. Because otherwise, you know, rather than being a face in a crowd of people who are there to save the day, much like the intro scene is, is like when everyone returns to Tadnasia to fix it. Um, mm-hmm. Like the same thing carries over in the in the way that, that the stories are being told in this particular game as well, uh, where it would be awkward if if one NPC in particular starts only caring about you because the person next to you playing the game also has to be the, that one person that NPC only cares about as well, and then it starts getting weird when it gets into cutscenes and you're there with other people in the group and like like I I think that the the writers of this game as well as Final Fantasy XIV is written, um, the, the writers of this game seem to care about the continuity from the standpoint of, of who's actually playing the game more than than XIV's writers have, if that makes sense. Well, and it also puts an emphasis on collectivism, right? Like, it yeah. puts an emphasis on, like, you're doing this to benefit the collective, not to save the world or save the universe, but, like, this is something that that you know you and the other people who you see running around in this world are all kind of working towards that sort of same collective goal and it makes sense that like you're not the center of everything that like for everyone's story it you know you're just you're the guy that happens to be there being you know moral support not super saiyan goku uh you know saving the fucking the planet from frieza like the and I think like both aspects of storytelling are equally valid. I'm just far more interested in in how Final Fantasy XI uh, presents its story than another. You know, oh god, I'm the you know savior of of everything. Oh boy. Well, you it know? actually emphasizes your point that you were making about Final Fantasy XIV feeling like a solo experience. Yes. The the storyline emphasizes that. And we've yep. we got to get back to the nostalgia instead of fourteen, as good as it is. But yeah. I, I do want to make one joke when we get off this that I'm cutting a short on this this fourteen topic because we could have made a whole podcast and about fourteen versus eleven, which I don't think we'll ever do because we just covered it. But um, <laughs> in honor of our our honorary member Eric's here, the reason that we don't have all the, your character being the savior of the multiverse 
is because that's string theory, and you may have that in 14, but in 11, we have stringing pummel theory. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I like it. Uh, that's for Eric's. I don't. So... <laughs> <laughs> Fox just lost his his, his like his appendix dropped oh. out of his body. Oh, right into my scrotum too. Straight, ooh. <laughs> oh, oh, it's causing complications. <laughs> He's got quite a hernia. So I have here also. We let's go to some of the social aspects because I mean we could talk about chocobo digging and you know resting for MP with an HMP set when we had no fucking inventory. <laughs> but how about the unhealthy levels of grind, which we talked about, because I wanted to throw in here, uh, not that we wouldn't talk about it as we did already, uh, a certain Swedish player, which we may know, a certain Swedish listener, perhaps, uh, played for, uh, 30 hours straight the day merits were released. And, you know, that was not uncommon because when new jobs were released, like when Dancer came out, People were just leveling to 75 ASAP. And like, they, you would just watch the one, you would search all Dancer and see who was in the lead yeah. on the server at the time. And it'd be like yeah. a week had passed and the guy was level 45 or something. It'd be like, oh, within two weeks, he's going to be 75. Did I remember how, I remember how big of a deal that was. Like, like one of the things that, that, you know, cause I went to, um, the two, the last two fan fests that were for Final Fantasy Eleven, and you know, at one of them they showed off Dancer and Scholar, and it was like we were trying to write down at like list every fucking ability that we could when we we got our uh, playthrough with them, and it was like like it was a big deal. Like people really were like anxious to know how these jobs were going to work, and like yeah, I do remember different. the leveling. Oh, they were they were super different, and. Uh, and, and, you know, they were hugely welcome additions to the game at that point. Uh, but, you know, uh, I do remember sort of like watching the leveling race in just the, the C, you know, just searching the server. And everyone um, would be just, that job. You go to the dunes, everyone's yeah. a dancer. Oh, yeah. I, oh, yeah. I remember that very well. And what were you saying, Foxy? Dancer, well, I, I completely forgot at this point, but Dancer and Scholar were also an interesting addition to this game because they tricked people into being healed. Mm -hmm. Because that, that's actually where a lot of the choke point was in parties. Like, you could actually find tanks. It's it's getting the healer there. That was the that was the problem. Yep. And, like, if you were a yep. Scholar, you were advertised as a Black Mage, like, in terms of, like, what you could do, but you were probably going to end up healing that party otherwise. Right. And then, like, Dancer was like, you like swinging, you like swinging weapons? And stuff you, you like to see the numbers pop out don't worry you can do that and heal people Ooh. yeah like yeah. that's basically what you get you know yeah i i mean and i remember uh how much uh you know the the party dynamic shifted once those two jobs kind of came along and and yeah like how um it it sort of took a lot of the pressure off of those the pure healers the you know white mages and stuff like that um and uh and kind of gave them a, a little bit of uh you know like another job to be able to rely on in the party to throw out some emergency heals and stuff like that yeah it helped round parties out more as well like it, it wasn't just a straight-up replacement but like you could use more combinations of things yeah for sure yeah absolutely that's also something else that that final fantasy 11 is is super unique and is that you know they made basically hybrid jobs, you know, jobs that didn't fill one specific role, 
um, <laughs> that's sort of that sort of like filled a variety of roles or could uh, sort of change on the fly. I mean, Blue Mage. Was I was going to say best really job in the game, Blue Mage. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like you know, when Blue Mage first came out, like people were tanking with it, and you know, like now it's sort of like yeah, it can Blue Mage can be pretty tanky. Um, it's great backup. You know, it's like it's it's like yeah, obviously. Uh, but at that time, it was like fucking Blue Mage is what? Like you what? Like you know, you'd get into a mid sixties party and they'd be able to still tank. That's it OP. Like, it's got cocoon and heels. OP. It, yeah. it. I mean, shit. But it was great though. Like it was. It was so nice to be able to and have sleep. that ability. Yeah, that ability to sort of like flex like that. Like it was. Uh, it was. It was a welcome addition to the game for sure. I think the other edge of that sword, though, is that when it comes to hybrid jobs, people generally didn't know what to do with them either. So you had yeah, to have, like, that person who knew what was going on and be the loudest voice to be like, yeah, they do this. And then, like, fade yes. into the darkness while everyone else copies them, you know? Well, and, I mean, to that point, like, you know, uh, I think that's... Wasn't that why Square Enix, like, had held back releasing the... AF for some of the later edition jobs for like Puppet Master and stuff like yes. they wanted to figure out the way the community was going to use them as opposed to the way that they had intended them and so they well, were they going to make the AF fit that I mean they did. Well, although the AF did the relic did not really is what I was thinking um well the relic never did the relic was the, the relic was always sort of like like I, I mean, I, I, I can really only speak from the perspective of a Dark Knight, but like Dark Knight Relic was like, yeah, you'll use one of those pieces. I was a pup then, you know. So if you were a mage, then all of that JSE stuff was like super invaluable. But generally, if you were like a DD or like like a melee type character or something like that, yeah, you'd have like your macro pieces and then you'd call it a day. Yeah, I'll have you know, I use those Hume male gloves on most of my jobs for most of those levels there after using MithrinPride.com. It's where the kitties are at and the site still works in order to get my JSE from the goblin at the right pattern that uh, day, week, whatever. Jesus, Mithrin Pride is still up? Yes, it is. Dude. I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> Just leave things on the internet to fester. I mean, like, <laughs> Live journal. Yeah, we- what what ser- what dusty server is running that site? My God, <laughs> I don't know. It's still on that tape it right now. The radar, dude. It tells you when the next up. boat's getting there. When the guild holiday is, it still <laughs> runs and it has not been changed. And the guild holidays are still accurate. It, it's got to be running on like an iMac somewhere that like somebody like it's like a building that still gets power that people think is like the power's been cut off long ago. Sorry, MithrinPride.org. <laughs> Oh my god. It's where That's the kitties so are. <laughs> I'm opening it right now. And the UI is still just as good as it always was. This For the time, this was really good UI. It looked appealing. Uh, the, the next conquest tally is in uh, 107 hours and 40 minutes. Well, shit. It I tells really... me the moon phase in case any of my super no Mimi. Oh, Marble Bridge favoritism. <laughs> right now, Galkas are favorited to enter the Marble Bridge, followed by Gentlemen's and Ladies. Ah. Uh. And the Alchemy Guild is closing in six minutes and fifty six seconds. That was always the Marble Bridge was always weird. I'm like, why are why do you need why, this? Like, why revolving racism? Like, why revolving <laughs> yeah. digital racism? This is ridiculous. What do you mean, ladies only? Outside yeah. of 
outside of COP missions, I, I never went there. Yes, I know. It was like a cock <laughs> block no on reason. COP missions for no fucking reason. For what? It, it, it actually came into effect for guild points for cooking when you wanted to buy the fucking white bread. Wow. Goblin bread there. Some, some bullshit like that. I think it was white bread and goblin bread. They had some weird items that you never needed ever again after like COP ended slash guild points weren't relevant and they changed them. Someone just thought, hey, this is going to be a really fun idea. And then they did it and never bothered to take it out again. I'll tell you, there used to be very rarely there were these weird tells like, come find me in zone and I'll trade you like X amount of gill or just hide and seek games. You never had hide and seek yells? No, dude. In what, shouts? What the fuck? No. So sometimes there'd be hide and seek shouts or just like you put your link shell sometimes to play hide and seek. Um, tell me, you guys never play hide and seek in this game? No, man. No. So I, I sometimes would hide in the marble models. bridge because I'd look at what the, the favorite thing was and I'd go hide in the marble bridge because you couldn't get inside. I was sneaky. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> you never played hide and seek? Come on, how old are you? you never oh, t- no, I've played hide and seek. Like that, That's fine. I have not played hide and seek in Final Fantasy XI. Oh, I'm it's fun. Sure. You, sometimes you get that rare, that rare yell like, I'm quitting, find me first and I'll trade you. Yeah, I've never been able to find that person first. Everyone rushes. Oh, you know what happened now that I'm on this subject? Back in the day, I have a screenshot. Um, during the era of late Voidwatch, or late um, Abyssia, when there'd be like 600 people in Port Juno, and sometimes it'd fill up so there'd be too much where you couldn't even... I guess it's still nostalgia. This is back in the day. It doesn't exist anymore. It was non-eye level days. Um, you would die and you wouldn't be able to home point back because the zone was full, so you'd be stuck in a black screen until the zone emptied out, sometimes for five, maybe even upwards of ten minutes very rarely. And I remember no being in Port Juno and I started chaos so bad the GM had to show up. <laughs> so I started I demanded that everyone start randoming to hit a 69. There was no reward. There was no nothing. He just first person to hit 69 wins, and I was shouting it and shouting it. And eventually there was about 20. There was a, a the, the chat log was just rapidly. I got the chat log to start rapidly spinning of people randoming. And just the <laughs> chat log was just going nuts. And the Japanese players started yelling in Japanese with auto-translate stop. And people were yelling and complaining. It went on for literally about 20 minutes. Just keep randoming, guys. I think I was posting an auction house. Everyone come random with us in Port Juno. And I made it into an event. And it got so bad, (laughs) the GM showed up and started telling people to stop randoming. (laughs) The GM got in the chat log and started telling everyone to stop it. I've never seen the GM appear in a say chat log to yell at people to stop. It was incredible. I'm like, what have I done? I mean... Did people stop? Yeah, like, it, it, when the GM showed up, everyone was like, oh my god, the GM's here! And I the, feel like it would just make people random harder. No, there's a few harder. that did, but then it kind of trickled down and stopped because everyone else stopped and the fun was gone. Yeah, but it, it, like, no. as soon as the GM showed up and started talking, it was that scroll, like, did someone see a GM say something? And it's like, I did see a GM. I had to yeah, ask a few it times. Out. It does stand out against other, yes. against other chat messages, that's true. Everyone starts freaking out, the GM's telling everyone to stop and say, which doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I could see that being a, a unique event. Uh, you know, the one thing I'm, I'm kind of sad about that never happened in my FF11 experience, I never got to experience FF11 jail. Oh, I did several oh. times. Yeah, oh, I never... Did you ever go, Fox? 
Yeah, I went one time. I've been temp banned three times. You don't do the H and M scene and scene and not end up in Mordian. Oh, I, I it's true. Didn't take that. Once. I went to jail four times, five times, I think, actually. I, I don't doubt that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I went all the time for for all these things. Yeah, I never did. I, I wish I I wish I had. I, it would have been cool. I did have I, I did have a GM like say that they liked limit break radio one day which ah, i thought awesome. was like was fucking insane like i was like i can't believe that this is happening the gm dave i had, I had yeah like i that's i mean of course we made that joke at the time um but like i have it screenshotted somewhere because it was like i can't fucking believe this that's crazy it was just out of nowhere too like like you know they just appeared in the shimmer and i was like oh my <laughs> Fucking god! Like, I think it was just in an XP party or something. It was bizarre. Jim's bizarre. like, yes, my son. <laughs> so a much younger and stupid, arrogant, persistent, ridiculous, moronic me once got in a fight with a GM uh, who would not let me out of GM jail uh, and made me stay there for more than a day. I think because I refused <laughs> to agree and listen to him. And was fighting with this GM who eventually stopped answering my GM calls. (laughs) (laughs) I was in GM this I was in jail this time for my bizarre message or something. Something about uh I was just insulting like wow is garbage, the Bible is garbage, and so is the Quran. Just something stupid in my bizarre. Something ridiculous. And I got to GM jail for like lol Quran. (laughs) 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 Fuck the Quran, it sucks. Um and the GM wouldn't let me out till I changed it. And I'm like, I'm not changing it. And he's like, well, then you can sit here. And then, like, we went back and forth before that point for quite a long time. And he's like, you can call me when you want me to come back. And I called him to, like, shine, like, so maybe if I just change it? <laughs> and, and the GM eventually stopped humoring me and just made me rot in jail until I finally agreed and gave in. Jeez. And I'm like, so this is going to be on my record, right? And he goes, yes. Oh my god. So I got this standoff with the GM once for no fucking reason because I was a kid who was freaking not going to listen. Woo! Nothing surprises anyone, I bet. No. Mithrin pride. I gotta close this tab. It's where the kitties are gone. So, can anyone ask me what the fuck is up with Carpenter's Landing Ferry? Because what the fuck is that? Oh, you uh, obviously need um, auto travel in a zone that is smaller than the auto travel route. So it's the smallest zone, and it takes about 40-something minutes for the barge to come back. Or sometimes it says the barge isn't operating, and it just skips it for like over an hour. And if you're waiting for this boat for over an hour, you got problems. Where does it even go? I've never... Within Carpenter's Landing. There's several. It's like... Yeah, it, it only goes to other places in Carpenter's Landing. <laughs> yes. What? I know. And there's a, some mobs. I think an NM can appear on it as well. And maybe some fishing. Not that I don't know if the fishing matters only in that boat like it does for uh, Pornogo Isle or something. I don't know off the top of my head, but I don't think it was ever important and no one really truly maybe needed it. Maybe someone can correct us. Maybe there's like a fisherman's heart quest or something there. But it was just a tonberry on the barge and it was cool to be on. It was like the tonberry's in charge. And I think there was a Hume sitting there like a, a dunce or something just being lazy. And the, you go like the secret entrance. When you first find that secret exit from Sandy, you're like, oh my God, I clicked the shutters. And I found Carpenter's Landing. This is nuts. I'm level five. <laughs> and you like you freak out like, oh my god, what is this? I didn't know I could target it. 
And you just run by it all the time, not knowing it's a zone line because you can't walk into it. Um, and then there's a ferry there, and you're like, well, why isn't the ferry running? Or, or just like, and if the ferry says next ferry will be here in this this many vanadillas, and it's like one Earth hour, five minutes, or something ridiculous. Yeah. And then it just it just takes you up the map. It's a, it's like kind of like a modern uh, for it the uh, whatever, or as Abject calls it, which we're saying we didn't get an Abject email. Uh, for it the hentai. So uh, it's like that where that good. boat takes you up or downstream, same way, just with a actual zone in the zone, I guess, a boat ride in it. Dude, I can't think of, I like, I don't know that I've ever been to Carpenter's Landing. Uh, COP. To be honest, don't you have an? Aegis? Oh yeah, I guess, I guess. Don't you have an Aegis on it, your palate? Is that something that forces me to go there? But like, Tom yeah, Barry fight. Like, I don't uh, remember COP, doing any of them. Um, COP fight. quest line makes you go there. Yeah. Uh, okay. So you also have to I fight the Tomberry assassins. Tomberry fight was actually pretty hard sometimes. You be some challenging. You get to the, another fight where you have to kite things and DOT them with Dia and hold them so they don't recover. Like you know, they blow up on you with the ninja one hour and just go back to the little dock there, and you're like, oh, I gotta get re-raised before I fight this. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember any of that. So I try not That's to remember because it doesn't stand out. It's like the biggest nothing zone. And the biggest yeah. waste of potential because nothing incentivizes you to go there outside of stuff you have to do. I'll have you know, mycophile cuffs. Okay. Yeah, those are those were bad. Even those were those were a good item. Those were bad even back in the day. Oh, hold on, I'm pulling them up. They were M many minus as well. Yeah. You and your judgment. But um. Oh, I had a pair. I just don't ever remember them having an impact on anything I did. So they were level. They're M many minus two. They're level twenty five. Amity minus two, mine plus two, int one. Like there were no other really gloves you could use around there. One that would give you Amity minus, but like I think like maybe you had mine plus three in a pair of gloves or int plus two, but this gave you Amity minus, man, at that low level twenty five level with both stats. That was like a that was the big deal back then, man. Those were cool. The zone is so useless. And it's also the most inconvenient zone too. And there was a uh, the the um flytrap nm there for the katana people always wanted to spawn eruption rate katana i used a uh staff <laughs> you couldn't use a staff at level 20 something it's true i still did somehow though it was orc trap and it dropped the nika Ryoi. can't pronounce it and that <laughs> was that was that was a big it didn't have bad damage it was level 30 spawn eruption rate minus 25 percent which worked differently back then and uh, damage 19, delay 232. But spawn eruption rate back then, before the Aqua Veil change, uh, you just pretty much had a chance of not being interrupted, period, instead of needing a certain amount to be not interrupted. Yeah. So you had a 1 in 4 chance when you got hit as a ninja of getting your shadows up anyway with that weapon, so it was really popular. Yeah, but you could also, you know, just learn to be a ninja. Yeah, but at level 30, that's a big deal. I suppose. You, you were that level for quite a while. I don't remember it being that big of a deal. <laughs> Oh fox! Yeah, I don't know. It's just the, it's weird because like sometimes sometimes I see just had like throwaway zones. Sometimes the zones you just travel in like way too much. But I, I mean, for a throwaway zone, at least it was inconvenient in that zone and not in a zone you went through all the time. Like I don't know, like any of the zones surrounding uh, Juno or yeah. A uh, number one throwaway zone, I regret not being involved more with stuff due to the time period and how much they could have done with it and how much I liked that zone and how much it could have been something. Mafalia. That could have been such a great zone. 
Like Nash Mao is a great zone, especially by now, modern standards, because Auction House, Jobs, Port of Moogle, everything's there. And it's a smaller zone, and it's it's just pretty good. If you take out the aspect of certain things, it's pretty much one of the best zones to run around in and get your stuff done in. Um, Revern sites? Yeah, Revern sites. But, but La Folia, man, they just missed the mark on that one. It's so cool to be there, but they give you no reason to go there outside of one event they added later and one mission or two missions. Wait, which zone? La Folia in uh, Adelon. La Folia? I don't know. Do I th- am I pronouncing it incorrectly? It's like super out of place in Comir Drifts. has all the leafkin in it. Oh! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there's only, like, one point in the story that takes you there, too. They say if you look close yeah, enough, you can see a certain egomaniac streaming from there. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you look close enough. But yeah, uh, you just use it for vagary pretty much now, uh, once you're done with the missions. And, and well, you know, you get Siren. That's what he was talking about. I didn't realize it was used for vagary. Yeah, yeah you yeah, go there yeah. once the, you... the water. And, and also, once you um, beat all of them, you can go choose a prize. And that's how people get to Tartar's Plate Mail when it's not a direct drop, is you choose what the Master Deems Worthy. Ah, Master okay. Deems Worthy. Such a weird thing to be asking for. What do you deem worthy, Master? Here's a Tartar's Plate Mail, my son. It's like that bad... Inventory's full. It's like that bad Gundam that was on Toonami back in the day, after uh, which was Gundam um, Endless Waltz slash... Gundam Wing was the really awesome one, was Gundam Wing. Then they had that horrible one afterwards with the guy where they translated Sensei as Master. So every time I'd be like, Master! And it was his worst fucking thing ever. That's what I think of now when I hear what is the Master deem worthy was that bad Gundam series and that bad dub on Toonami. I actually hate Gundam. I don't like Gundam, but Gundam Wing I liked a lot. Good characters, good story. I don't know. Otherwise, I don't care for any Gundam whatsoever. It's also on Toonami, which was cool at the time, because you didn't have anime at the time. Dude, you Hakusho. I liked, I, liked, I liked anime before it was, like, a culture. You know what I mean? Like, when I'm it a- was, like, when it was, like, this weird shit that you could find at, like, the flea market. You know, <laughs> like... <laughs> like, or, you still or, can like, media play, you know, like that's where I was first exposed to anime. It was like, you know, like going to Dixieland flea market, and there were dudes who would like do VHS dubbing of, mm. uh, you know, like old Dragon Ball Z episodes or, um, you know, new Dragon Ball GT episodes. Ooh, Ooh. yeah, those exactly. are bad without the dubbing. Now you just get a bunch of people who talk about no, anime, like, like, like Spicy talks about wine. Yeah, I, I don't like the culture, but I really loved things like Outlaw Star, Cowboy Bebop, uh, Yu Yu Hakusho. Sure, sure. Well, and what I mean by dubbing is that they have it on VHS, they have another VCR, they're going to dub the episodes from the, the VHS that they have to the other VHS that they will sell you. That I didn't mean that they were like re-recording the voiceover or something like that. Like They were just dubbing the episodes to a tape that you paid five dollars for or whatever oh okay. um, man so copy yeah, so they were breaking an fbi warning at the start that no one ever knew what that meant um yeah. tell me were there uh, fbi warnings at the beginning of uh japanese uh tv shows that were like taped oh, off of japanese television like no nope. because that's where they were getting them dude these so guys are ready to pull the tag off the mattress Dude, these uh, it was a hundred percent illegal, but like the 
It was also 1994, and, like, no one was going to figure out the legality of importing anime. Who's going to come after Uh, me, Mr. Roboto? Yeah, exactly. Dude, fucking guy two booths down is selling fucking knives with fucking brass knuckles on them. Like, (laughs) you're going to give me shit for my Japanese robot cartoons? Get the fuck out of here. Are you describing a flea market or the black market? What's going <laughs> no, on? Do you take little bits of string? Have you never been to the Dixieland flea market? No. In, in Michigan? No, no, we don't go to Michigan. And only Funk's yeah. kind of close there. He's in Minnesota, I believe. <laughs> well, that's 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 kind of how we roll in uh, in Westland, Michigan, where you know, yeah, we sell long blade knives and dubbed anime and. Wow. Action figures that somebody found in the bottle of bottom of a Saint Vincent de Paul. <laughs> Just how we roll. I don't. I mean, from the like... same booth. Same, yeah, <laughs> same booth. It's the same guy. It's also got a light bright and a fucking uh, the thing that you press the trigger on the side of the goggles to make a different image appear in that circular disc. Wow. Yeah, except both of them are broken. <laughs> Only one eye works, kids. Five dollars for it. Fucking five bucks. <laughs> so, no, but I mean, that was that was my that was my exposure to anime, and that's what I liked. Uh, like, I liked it when it was like seedy and weird, and like you know, like nobody, uh, like none of your friends knew about it. So, like, you showed them Akira for the first time, oh, and they Akira. went home crying. You know, <laughs> like that's that's when I really enjoyed anime. Ever since it became like you know, like, a whole industry, like, I'm way less interested in it. So, how about outdated tactics? Like, anyone remember Chainspell Stun, of course, or Boost Chi Blast, or Perfect Defensing Everything and with Embrava, and, you know, things you don't do. Oh, yeah. They they nerfed Embrava. I I do remember the Chi Blasting. Embrava used to be, like, the number one thing you used to, for Nizal Isle, you had to have Embrava to win because you had to have that constant regain while you ran through, and then Bravo used to give regain before SE nerfed it over Neo Nizo Isle and never went back. Mm. I, think I remember the regain should come back. That when we fought our two-hour Kirins, I was on Red Mage Ninja, and I had a White Mage, and we were the party that popped Kirin. And then there was another party outside the that outside was actually alliance. an alliance. Yes. Yeah. And they fought all the gods when they spawned. Yeah. Eventually, I would stop, and their their tank party would would break, and then I would invite parts, or no, the white mage would invite parts of their tank party because I was too busy, and then we would form up with the rest of them, and then some people had to sit out and rotate. Yep. Yep. I I remember that strategy well. You had your attendance points, and everyone would say how many points they want to wage, and they would list the item they want to get and spend their points on, and if Kirin's also Mm. dropped, this many people would come into the alliance to lot it. Oh, we didn't do any wagering. uh, basically, if you lauded something, your points dropped to zero. Uh, we had point deductions or whatever. We we had a priority system. Like if, uh, like it was sort of like if you won a piece of gear, you sort of moved to the back of the line. Um, cool. But it was also like gear also had different points too. So you had to build points by going to runs. But then there was also this priority system. I That's don't a know. really good system. I, I, it's I don't I didn't think so because I never got shit like I never I like specifically for that link shell I feel like uh, my attendance must have been a huge issue because I never got anything because the only thing I ever wanted 
was what was it end body from Kieran? Never got it. Still to this day, don't have end body. And That's I'm okay. Pure, you don't need it. Yeah, I know. I don't. I don't. Or that. or all of the the red mages that were able to earn extra points because they could solo the sky gods or solo yeah. the the pops. I did get end body, but only much later during the tail end of seventy five when I had a Mandau. Finally, hmm. or no, it was it wasn't seventy five. It was end body later on with augments during like some level cap breaking era where I had a Mandau that was like level ninety or something using mercy stroke with the augmented end body. That's bad. I never had a seventy five. Um, but imagine this. Imagine the only job you want a gear is pup. Now, what gear does pup get from Sky? Hold on, wait for it. Aquarian? No, it doesn't wear any of that. It doesn't wear anything oh, from any of I those fights. I, I wanted... remember it used to get really awkward mage gear. Yes, yes, it did like uh, Ixian cloak, Izian cloak, whatever it is. I wanted the Indra guitars for pup sub dragoon with the wyvern earring and Indra guitars, oh. and I never. Got the Indra guitars, and I went to all these fucking skies. Well, they had to drop, you know. Dude, my puppet won the Bayako parse because Overdrive Mena could hit with capped haste, and I still didn't get shit. <laughs> and they still didn't respect the pup. I was healing and raising while the pup did everything. No. Back when those fights were longer, I wish you could do it today because it was kind of nice to be able to stand in the back line in some regards while your pet did something, but obviously pets aren't as strong as they were back then. When you have those pet-only link shells you don't really have today because that'd be silly. Um, <laughs> back then you had those pet-only link shells, and the puppets are really cool because, you know, compared to players, they you know players' buffs were rather limited compared to how they are today for sure. So the puppet was actually rather strong, which is why the puppet master used to be so weak with that buffed C hand-to-hand. -hand. I think Pup's hand-to-hand -hand used to be like a D or an E originally. It was like such garbage and the puppet was supposed to be the main effect. And then they raised it to like a C. And that was the mm -hmm. buff was a C. Like they, mm -hmm. they buffed it to a C. <laughs> Which was terrible back then because accuracy is a problem. And eventually they buffed it of course you know, to A plus like Monk because hoo hoo hoo. Um, but back then being able to be in the back line as a melee job with a scholar sub a sublimation and everything and to be able to raise people and stuff like that and cure was when everyone else was wrestling for MP and stuff like that was rather, you know, amazing for the time and is gone because the fights are different. They're faster paced. I go to diversions with you, Fox, on Pup. I can't even get fucking engaged with the puppet, let alone let fucking mattering outside of provoking or wiping the group as we saw. <laughs> Pulled the trap statue by accident, killed everyone at the fountain. Yeah, that, that run was doomed, though. Yeah, and then I stopped pulling because that happened. I don't want to screw up again. I'm like, whatever, let the tank have it. And then because I wasn't pulling, the tank was kind of like, eh, and I should have been pulling at that point. There's a lot of things that should have happened on that run. Yeah. I didn't want to be blamed by you and, and lose daddy's love. But, I mean, anyone else have anything they used to do in that era that they can't do now? Like, not just Pup Sub Scholar, of course, but maybe, like, Blue Mage Sub Scholar was a thing for Asper and Campaign. Log, uh, log hate on my Black Mage. Oh, God, he used to log hate for everything. And that's how they beat that first uh, Pandemonium Warden, was logging during, if I recall correctly, I wasn't there, yes. and it was hearsay, but they logged during Astral Flow to avoid the mechanic. You are correct. Yes. That is one of... That is one of the the stories that I have been told over time is that, yeah, it was logging to avoid Astral. And SE congratulated them, which is bullshit, because if you log, and they used Blue Mage to beat it too, because Blue Mage's uh, physical magic was not weakened by weakness like the, everything else was, so they'd be double weakened. Chain spell, sneak attack, chain affinity, uh, not chain spell, obviously, chain affinity, sneak attack, cannonball, and shit like that. 
and they would do that weekend and people would hold it during the astral flows as they all died and they all log back in and that to me is avoiding the mechanics and not fighting the fight but i mean hey i mean SC gave them props so of course that means that they're okay with it yeah that time yeah, it that time it was, but we're going to nerf him fucking in Bravo because of Nizal Isle climbs that we didn't add the stopper to originally so you could go past 90, 100, 400. I mean, I do remember at the time that that was sort of the big um, the big sort of scandal was the logging out and whether or not that that qual- qualified as a real win. doing the mechanic or figuring a way around it. I like, said back then um, it didn't, he didn't win that way, but that was just me. Yeah, so... I don't know, uh, but I can confirm that. Yeah, that is that is what, at least what I believe I've 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 been told. Uh, I could be wrong. I mean, if we both heard it and you heard it and had them on, I don't think we're wrong because that was what everyone's you know talked about in the forums. I remember back when Zam existed, banned from there. <laughs> um, <laughs> big whoop, the site's gone. Um, but. Fox, did you have what do you think about the logging to avoid the astral flow for the first PWN? I was actually not involved in the the PW stuff. Well, just what do you think about that, even from a modern perspective? So that's the sort of strategy that I probably would have come up with, honestly. Yeah. So I would probably support that as a way to win. Um, But then again, I also valued the win pretty highly. Like uh, back then, even more so than I do now. So I would have probably thought back then that that would have been a totally legit way of doing it. Yeah. Nowadays, though, I would probably try to figure out a better way to buff the party so they did not die to Astral Flow. I can't really think of too much they could have done back then. They would have all had to have special MDT sets, and they would have had to change buffs around, maybe Magus Roll. I mean, I can't... Saline Coat. Saline Coat, but that's only Blue Mage got Saline Coat. But I mean, I think Magus Roll and Saline Coat with an MDT set on Blue would have let's see but also, too, keep in mind, it's like a modern day uh, when you go out there without one for all on Rune, you die not to being taking a lot of damage just because you're hit with so many Astral Flows at once. It's like yeah. it's like meant to wipe you is the mechanic. It's like meant to kill you. So you have to be weakened at that point and try to recover. So, I mean, it almost feels like you're supposed to just, you know, because he resummons the lamps, I believe, to do Astral Flow, even if you kill them all. So yes. and it would take a lot of time to kill the lamp. So it's not like you could, you know, the mechanic is to beat the lamps so that when you wipe, you only have him. He'll just have all the lamps up. So it's kind of I can't, I can't think of a way from a seventy-five perspective to get around that because even at a ninety-nine perspective, if it was a modern fight, taking that many astral flows, even if like anyone unprepared going you to fight also, today will still die. You could also dissolve the party. That's a pretty intricate mechanic. Yeah. But so, whoever has hate would like super die though. So you would have to log for no hate, come back while two people are holding it, I guess, and then push it. But then people still have hate, gotta do the damage to push it. I believe it was more than two people that would hold it. But well, yeah, don't, you, you need more than two. Yeah, don't quote me on that. Because I, I think yeah, it no. was I think it was literally I don't I, I don't You would need remember. multiple people back then, especially because of MP drain. Yeah. Yeah, I I'm, and I think that there was, because this was a big deal. I think it was a combined effort of two different link shells. So I want to say that there were actually two different alliances, full alliances that were involved with that strategy, where one alliance would log and the other alliance would hold. It may not have been a full alliance. It may have been 
you know, a truncated alliance. But it's I, for some reason, I remember that there were a lot of people involved with this. Yeah. And I could be wrong, you know, feel free to, you know, correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but, um, yeah, that's, that's what I seem to remember about that. I don't remember the particulars of it, but that actually makes sense to me as a way to fight it. That, that would actually circumvent what uh, Spicy's talking about when it comes to weakness is just having sheer numbers because you'd have one alliance on and one alliance off and you guys would alternate, um, when you're weakened. But how do you decide who wins the drop, man? That's really difficult. It's a lot of work. That's up, that's up to the the people involved. We're still like an eight hour fight too, you know? Well, I mean, you know, we were just talking about, you know, different point systems and stuff like that. So, um, you know, if there's two link shells, I would say you probably split the loot pool equally. And then, you know, it would be based on the point system or literally whoever's the fucking link shell leader. Because, of course, that's the way that's the other way that it works. Is link shell. I imagine they knew in advance, like before popping it, who was getting what. Yeah, that I I I also have a feeling was was probably at least something to do with it. Yeah, yeah, so, that, that happened on lesser lesser fights and stuff. Like people knew in yeah. advance who was getting things. Right. So there's a bullet here that I'm looking. I'm actually looking at the outline now. There's a bullet here that we would be absolutely remiss if we did not bring this up. FFXIPlayers.com. Does no one uh, no one remember that? Was that was that where people was that where people would post their real photo? Yes. Yeah, I, I remember that shit. Carrot was on I there, I think, at one point. I remember that for sure. Yeah, and it was like these freaking bad digital cameras of the era, like oh, yeah. uploading it via USB to your computer, kind of thing, because no one had like or bad camera phones when they were new. Yeah, and and like people were dressed in like shiny club shirts and had you know like poorly spiked hair the bad spiked like, hair yeah. and like the the bad dyed hair oh yeah oh yeah i remember i remember all of that i remember well, i know the site's gone what happens when i type it in though <laughs> oh it doesn't come up with anything but i i think i had looked at a way back when of it hold on but you I mean just but just you didn't have that fox did you oh no i never did that in fact, I never even used that. I actually can't think of knowing about it, actually. It's kind of really no, weird. And it was also more than just... Um, it, was, it was also like WoW players and stuff, too. But it was for... Like, people would like, yeah. be like, did you see them on FFXI players? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I, I mean, I remember the site. I never... I don't... Now, I'm sure that if I say that, somebody's going to be able to dig something up. Like, no, you definitely posted yourself. But I... I Because, I, like... The um, the uh, 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 there was there was a big mystery around what all of the hosts of Limit Break Radio looked like for a long time. So I'm pretty sure that I was not on FFXIPlayers.com. Although I do remember hearing stories about like dudes that like would try to use that as like a fucking dating app or like yes. a hookup site and shit. Like there was a lot. There was a lot of really bizarre behavior around that. Hey, that's what MySpace was for. Dude, I found somewhat of an archive. Apparently it merged into RPGplayers.com or something. 
And it oh, had wow. the players behind the characters. Guidelines. Please do not insult or disrespect others in both the forum or gallery. If you feel uncomfortable <laughs> in what another member of the site has said to you, please email us. This behavior will not be tolerated and has already resulted in banned users. Please think twice before posting inappropriate comments. Thank you. Please support on <laughs> PayPal or donate with Visa or MasterCard. Oh, yes. And make sure that you donate. It says free access, exclamation mark, FFXI screenshot community. Browse screenshots below. Oh, man. These are all broken thumbnails. But, oh, man, this had, like, buy Gill ads everywhere. And Yeah. Yeah. Newest members, DDoS of Midgrim Stormer, whatever the fuck it is. Captain Crunch of Acera. Oh, Oh, God. This comes up with a fucking photo. Nope, it is not archived that URL. Nope. But man, this was this is this is the deal. Popular searches, Mithra. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Tells you everything you need to know, really. Which most most viewed FFXI screenshots: the Dark Mithra, uh, Cactrot Rapido, Paladin in AF2, Shadow Dragon mugged. And it's a trap. Because that was a <laughs> meme. Oh, God. Here's a screenshot. Was this... Oh, who was this? This is someone from the FanFest. I've seen this guy before. He was one of the famous players. Hold on. Let's see. Let me, let me post this in here and see if you can remember this. I'm amazed I can find this because I tried last time and couldn't find shit. Oh. Hold on. I got it. Where are on. you posting this? I'm posting it in the Discord. Uh, okay. Where, where in the Discord? In our, in our chat. Oh. Who is that guy? Uh, I've seen this picture before. I have is that like Mini Dragon or someone? I mean, what does his name tag say? Uh, it just I, it's all broken. It has this one image and other things were game screenshots. It's like the actual person that came up, and it's all like broken everything because it's like way back archived. But I think that's like Mini Dragon's picture or something in the Goku shirt with the chain next to that chick and like the Yuna costume. Oh, I God, have what? no idea. It's just labeled FXI screenshot five one three five. Iawa. I don't know. I mean, that uh, this was from the only uh, the it's only fan, fan fest, fest I didn't. Yeah, I, that oh, was the only fan the fest only you didn't, didn't go to. Yeah, yeah. That was the that was the one that happened on the uh, Santa Monica Pier, and apparently it was fucking cold that weekend. So like everyone was cold, and it rained, and I don't know. I wasn't there. I can't believe this site really existed. Belgium. Oh, I can. Oh, I can. I remember. I remember the the horniness of of early Final Fantasy eleven. Oh yeah, I remember that. Did anyone else have a uh, online girlfriends? Anyone else meet their wife in the game? Well, considering we were all teenagers. Uh no. In fact, I had. Uh, I I basically had uh, a girlfriend that hated the game. That came to <laughs> hate. That was normal. Despise the game with every fiber of her being. Yeah, the difference was is I was making a radio show about it. And, like, I was, you know, in college studying radio and had, um, you know, in some cases, a million people downloading, uh, you know, certain episodes. It was like, like you know, it meant some shit to me. We're like, just breaking 300 having, now. I mean, I ended up dating this girl for, like, 11 years. So wow, 11 it, years for, yeah. 11, you know, Final Fantasy eleven. It, yeah, yeah. Uh, I never put eleven and eleven together. I guess. Wow, that's sad. Uh, that's the most important number. 
Um, but yeah, so you know, like it, it, having having a girlfriend that that didn't like the game was um, incredibly complicated, to say the least. I can imagine. I have enough problems with one who did play the game. She's uh, unsubscribed right now. I'm sure she'll come back, but she always does. But it's it's complicated still. Yeah. Get the flack about doing the podcast all night. Yeah, I know that all too well. Let's see. Is there anything else important? Oh, RP link shells. Anyone remember those? Yeah, uh, I don't because I didn't want to. I didn't. Like, I, I, had, I just remember. I didn't join them, but I remember later on there was the ERP yells on Acera a few years ago, and there was that erotic role playing link shell uh in like 2018 or something ERPG. yes erpg there's just the anyone only 18 plus and they were yelling like to to join <laughs> their erotic role-playing link shell and oh man it was something i joined it for the the lols for like a like a five minutes before i dropped it uh-huh. and uh it was it was what you would expect. There's some furries i think and uh some other stuff mm-hmm. and some sluts and just some people in need. I mean, I, I tried it, but I wasn't into it. <laughs> no, I just wanted to see what the fuck was going on because they yelled so many times, and it was a big joke. Yeah, no, I that was never that was never a thing that I yeah. partook in. It was just I didn't have a whole lot of interest, especially because it was like, dude, I've you know I I had this girlfriend since I was like seventeen years old, so you know, like what did I? What did I need some cat girl on the internet for? Well, like, did you see that intro when you select your character? That cat girl gets it. You know, she 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 rolls around and does meow. I mean, she she that cat girl. I mean, can they get only, it. They, listen, they scored that that character selection screen to literal fucking porn music. So yeah, I understand why. <laughs> oh, I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Like it was just, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I've got this is that they don't make in game. Yes, I've got a character yeah. selection for you. Yeah, did, did exactly. anybody order? You know, Mithra A one, and, and and then she starts presenting, and it's just like it gets really <laughs> awkward. Doesn't the Taru bend over and look back between its legs when it's running around? Yes, <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It does. It's very awkward. It's not okay. <laughs> It's not okay. Oh, shit. It does like that bullshit airplane thing. It's like a kid, and it's doing this bullshit airplane thing and falls down and does like maybe like a chocobo peck or something that like looks down beneath its legs behind its ass or something at you. Yeah, yeah. And then we all go to jail. (laughs) That is correct. (laughs) You you watch it. here's, Here's the test. Here's the test. If you watch that character selection screen and then still select Taru, you go to jail. That's that's how that works. I don't make the rules. Hey, my three meals are Tarus. What are we saying? <laughs> well, but the question is, did you watch the intro sequence? And because if you just hit, I picked I'll Hume originally. I did watch the intro sequence, and I still picked Hume, but. <laughs> That's the right choice. The, the thing that so fucked you, me was that I didn't, that general. thing is red hair in game and is brown hair in that character selection screen. That thing still gets me to this day. I mean, you're it's the character selection screen from a 19 year old. Do you game. know what I, it was like to be a redheaded character? Yeah, I mean, people probably told you you didn't have a soul. Yes, I mean, I, all the time. Yeah, Why'd yeah. you pick Ginger? I didn't pick Ginger. Damn it. 
It was like a freaking George Costanza. I was in the pool. It's like, it was brown hair. The clay Claire was on top. Yeah, I mean, you know, here's the one thing that I appreciate Square Enix for. Like, at least they had the character that you couldn't... Could you select a human with a beard? I'm pretty sure you could, right? I did not have a beard when I made this game character. This is an edited-in remark to point out that Fox's hard drive melted down at this point and had left the episode without our knowledge, and we did not know until we were done. Yeah, see, I don't remember now. But If uh, I could go so, back, I would have picked the long-haired one that has the freaking long hair like me with the darker, you know, my hair's lighter, but at least it would have been closer. I literally picked Hume A1. It was just, like, the most basic, like, sure... Like there was no, there was no thought or customization put into that character at all. Like, uh, okay, give me default A one. Do we want to give a shout out to the old blogs and live journals of old, like uh, FFXI Farming Blogspot or Campus Ataris or live journals from uh, Toothless, Kanakin, Genome, Elmer the Pointy, Rukenshin. Ooh, Elmer the Pointy. Elmer the Pointy and his history of Eleven that somehow got deleted and is gone. It was like a sub-thread for a long time. I'm so sad. I'm so sad because that, that actually, that was such a good blog. Like, uh, JP Button was was an excellent blog. And it had, like, yeah, so much of that lore. I still wish it was uh, up. I would have read it. Um... Well, you can get a little bit of it uh, if you go through the Final Fantasy, uh, the uh, Limit Break Radio FF11 archives. Um, we did an episode with Elmer the Pointy that I think we did two of them, actually. Uh, but one of them focused on sort of that, like, additional lore stuff that he was writing about in JP Button. Really interesting fact about this, though. Um uh, Limit Break Radio has had uh, Square Enix on the show once, and this was when they did their uh, community podcast tour. When did this um, they happen? Appear- uh, God damn, I don't even remember. Um, did you get those to, I- those ditzes from Twitter, or did you get actually real SE reps? No, we got uh, like Matt Hilton and... Um, who I believe is still at Square Enix, and uh, who was the other guy? Devin. Uh, I can't remember his last name, but he went on to work for Konami and specifically uh, Kojima Productions for a little he bit. He knew the code. Yeah, right. Um, so uh, it, when they came on, uh, they had a number of very specific requests for us. And somewhere, I have all of these requests written down. Uh, But one of them was like, you can't use any copyrighted music, like you can't use any Square Enix music, yada, yada. One of the specific conditions was we could not ask any questions about anything related to JP Button. They were very specific about that. Like, no questions about anything about Elmer the Pointy or JP Button. Why? Was he related to them or they just didn't like him? I have no idea. They wouldn't tell me if I asked. Does anyone so actually know Elmer you... the Pointy ever get that answer from him? Uh, I mean, I'm assuming that they had to know Elmer the Pointy. Uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not sure so why weird. they would specify that. Uh, otherwise, I mean, like we had had Elmer the Pointy on the show before, and they knew that. But yeah, like I, I don't, I still to this day, I don't know what that was about. Well, like, yeah, it was one of those very specific conditions. Like, you cannot ask any questions about JP button. Like, okay. I feel like back then, SE actually was more in tune with the community because 
the only two shoutouts I can remember is the, the the Pandemonium Warden, but also um, the Self Server for being undefeated and besieged. But that was a server more so than an actual link shell. So the only I, I can, remember that. only two shoutouts I remember are those two. But they didn't like. I feel like they were in touch and knew what was going on, but they just didn't. And now I don't think they really have the effort or care to know what's going on. They they contracted out the two Twitter handles. Yeah, you know, like I I'm sure for FF11 nowadays it's it's entirely different, but like um back in the day I can tell you that they absolutely knew who we were. Like we had not that I wouldn't call it an open channel to them, but I I had, you know, their community reps email and sometimes they would even email me back. Um but you know, they made they made some very, very, very basic attempts to sort of like interface with their community. I think now with, you know, with a game that they're putting emphasis and focus on, like Final Fantasy XIV, they're, they're a little bit better, uh, but they it, like, like, but they spread it out a little bit more, right? Like they, I don't think that they do a very good job of supporting their specific community sites that are for, Final Fantasy fourteen and nothing else. They do a little bit better for sites that are like, you know, they report on multiple things. So, like, if you're coming in from, like, you know, in, not even an IGN, right? Like, IGN still has somewhat of a prestige and readership. But if you're coming in from, like, something that sells itself as, like, a, a more generalized uh, gaming site, you're going to get way more attention from Square Enix because they think more eyeballs are going to be on whatever the fuck you make as opposed to, uh, you know, a site that has been making nothing but specific FF14 content since its inception. I think that, and, and I mention that because I think that it should be the inverse. I think that, you know... Yeah, you're going to get some good write-ups from Kotaku or IGN or... Um, yeah, but Kotaku's a joke, so is IGN. Yeah, but I, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, you're going to yeah. get some of those, but, like, it's really the people who go out of their way to, uh, m you know, either make content or to uh, report what's going on around specifically your game, that's where you should be putting the most support and emphasis and communication on. Um, you know, a, a great example is Gamer Escape. Uh, oh, you know, boy. they were a site that popped up around Final Fantasy XIV even before Final Fantasy XIV 1.0 had come out. And, they had to make uh, their, their lateral move there after they sold their uh, their puppy off well, for eleven. They had to make the lateral move to start the whole the whole scheme back over again. Eh, uh, I you know some people have have really sour grapes about that. I think that FFXcyclopedia was way ahead of its time in terms of you know monetizing the content on that website, and people just got really pissed that they didn't get a cut of it. Sorry, that's sort of the way that the internet fucking works. Yeah, it's sort of the way that it wasn't getting a cut of it. It was the fact that the number one community resource was just thrown to the corporate wolves and kind of, you know, fell into disrepair rather quickly and rather into a chaotic mess of UI skins being, you know, the, the skins being thrown over it, the, the phantom, the phantom yeah, skins, the, just, the, it kind of, it the, sunk very fast. 
The ire was reserved for the outgoing people at FF Encyclopedia as opposed to the current owners, the new owners, right? Yeah, like because... why was the, the frustration heaped on the people who made the, made the decision to sell it as opposed to continue to run something that wasn't making enough money to continue justifying the server cost? So the whole thing, there's still the BG thread for this is still around, was they had a fundraiser. They oh, dude, I, I was in the yeah, middle of it. I know. Because I started game I helped start Gamer Escape. I was one of the founding members. But to have a fundraiser for the purpose of not closing down and then sell out the close down anyway was a big slap in the face on top of all those PMs that came out that made them look uh less than flattering and you know just the communication their part was we don't care we're not going to validate this and it was a rather big scandal that they you know didn't want to communicate on which made it only worse and then you know to then turn around and go oh we're going to do the whole thing all over again with 14 kind of takes the slap in the face to another level there yeah like uh, you I'm... weren't in it for the wrong reasons like ganamon's an asshole um but you know it was taking that like like people like you built that and people like like Ganaman uh just you know used it is is what I'm getting at there. Like I, yeah, I would I, I would never doubt I, your intentions were in the in the wrong place at any point. Like, they would be in the right place always. It's just the way it ended up being and the way it was is is why I think that way. I disagree with that because knowing because I, I know I know Ghani Man quite well. Um, my opinion on it was this is a guy who was sort of done with the project. He was already getting shit when, you know, he put up the the idea, the notion of a fundraiser. He was already getting shit from people who are like, why do you, why should you get to do a fundraiser? We're all out here scrapping and 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 fighting our ass off to be able to run our own servers, why, why do you, you know, get to ask people for money? Because it was one of the reasons that Limit Break Radio didn't really ask people for money, because it was kind of a taboo to crowdsource, to, crowd, to, to crowdfund. So, you know, to have a guy who, who is like, okay, I really want to save this, please help us, to already be getting backlash, and then to just, in the middle of it, go, you know what, fuck it. It's not worth the trouble. It's not worth the hassle. I'd much rather, here, here's, here's, your, here's your options. I can continue to fundraise for a bunch of petulant fucking children who don't appreciate what the fuck I do for them in the first place, or I could just sell the whole fucking thing to these people who want to run it and deal with your fucking asses. I don't blame them. I don't blame him at all for making the decision when people were blowing up his DMs, when people were shitting on him in fucking threads all over the place. I don't blame him for going, you know what, this is more trouble than it's worth. So that's the baby out with the bathwater. We don't do the wikis for thanks, and the petulant children that yell are always <laughs> the loudest voices. But Ganaman wasn't done because he stuck around with Gamer Escape until after he rage quit post ransomware shut down on Gamer Escape. He was still part of that years and years and years up until a few years ago when he when he quit over dynamic page loading, as far as I was told. 
Well, I don't really have much in the way of of insight into that, but um, I, you know, it, it gets complicated when you have a whole bunch of people contributing to a thing. But I, you know, fandom took over wikis like you know they were fucking storming the beaches of Normandy. They they were so aggressive, and they were willing to pay obscene amounts of money for these wiki databases that they let fall into disrepair. And I mean, it's not just FF11. Fucking, uh, you know, Lostpedia went through the exact same thing. Didn't um, they only get like, like less than $20,000 to split between multiple people there and, and some stock options that obviously didn't mean anything? Didn't they get like like only like $18,000 between like several people as the whole bounty for that whole thing anyway, which is not a lot? I have no idea. I don't. I. I. I it was in the. It was in the BG the thread for many years. I remember it being like not <laughs> a lot of money to split between multiple people. I mean, you know, when when you do a, a collective project like that, yeah, like, um, you know, I can I can speak for for Checkpoint, which was the project we did after Limit Break Radio. Um, you know, the payout from that was, uh, I think, you know, it was first split fifty fifty between me and the managing partners and then we split that uh five ways for all of the different owners uh of that project and that was as fair as i felt that you know we we could possibly do business but that Um, was that was a project you know i don't i guess you can call it a passion project but that was a project that was designed to have that avenue the copedia was the entirety of the community source at that point for everyone in the game, you know, no one using some page. BG wasn't a thing because it only came out of the whole thing with Clopedia, but there was really nothing else to use at that point. And that was the entirety of a resource for the community that was never supposed to be about cashing out and, and sending it down the river. Because there was no value when, when they made the wiki. Well, there, it was, no it was one, priceless no to everyone that used it. No one could have fathomed when when FF Encyclopedia had started that the wiki would hold value in five years. That someone would come along and want to pay eighteen grand for it. You yeah, know what I mean? But so many people went into that 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 weren't a part of that. You know, many people yeah. made pages to be able to make it to sell that did not get a part of that and were just sold down the river with it. You know, and I, I I feel badly for their time that was wasted. But again, when it comes to internet ventures, like I'm, I'm and especially with something like a like a wiki that is that has open contribution, like uh, you know, the person who technic who owns it, who put up the server space and is managing the back end of it, like they get final authority on what happens to that data and how they choose to monetize it. I mean that may be an unpopular opinion. It's the truth. Um, but, but I've never but I've never I've never been known for giving a popular opinion. And the people and I'll and I'm going to I'll be honest and uh, you know this is probably not going to win me any friends either. But the people who sat around and shat about that issue for years and now decades after it's been done and dusted and the fact that that crowdfunding is as regular as it is like that that any of the people who are even involved in that scandal should be gun shy or or self-conscious about trying to raise money on the internet is fucking preposterous 
it's, it's the most it, it's it's ridiculous because it's like it's a level of 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 shaming and scrutiny that if if he had waited two years to make that same decision no one would have even batted an eye at it because by that point crowdfunding and fundraising for you know projects like wiki you know wikis or you know whatever uh was was you know uh, so benign and banal at that point that yeah no one would have given a shit no one probably would have even realized that you know ownership had changed hands um it was just it was it was the the point in time that that really happened and and the fact that people still get worked up about it i think is insane well it's not about crowdfunding being okay or not that's not the thing it's personally as someone like myself who cares in a way that's looking at the impact certain actions have on the the group here i still see the effects of clopedia to this day setting the community behind and it has never healed the scars and rifts that that action caused that weren't that wasn't part of the consideration and it wasn't even if it came up it was not important enough to matter i yeah, get worked up about it because the damage is still there and we will never be past it as a community so for wanting the game to continue as long as possible and as well as possible i don't like how that was handled and it was never done it's not about crowd raising it's not it was about who mattered and the few people at the top there mattered and all the people who made it possible for them to do that didn't and they didn't give the community even the most decent sense of consideration like i thought they should have and that's why yeah, i'm that, sour it, on it i i think that that that's uh, to be honest in a sort of over entitled sense of ownership there of of how much was being contributed and who owned what that i uh, i you know if i'm to, to draw a parallel you know limit break radio was a call-in show we tried to involve the community as much as possible we brought on guests on every episode it would be like a guest or somebody who called and left a voicemail for voices of on a deal coming and saying well i felt like i was a part of this show and because you ended up selling it 10 years down the line uh and i didn't get a cut of it i'm really mad about that and it's like and you feel free to disagree and uh, that, you this know, is open I, source I mean, software though that's the your show is your show that's a lot different than the number one resource everyone's gameplay depends upon uh you know as a you know a, a freeware you know source that's not it's provided at free cost to provide these benefits to a community like this and to provide the opportunities to pass information around, not to... Except it's owned and operated by one person who's paying the bandwidth costs on all of that. Correct. That's what the fundraiser was for. That's why BG had fundraisers. That's why Ragan still covers it to this day. And so, so is it worth all of the, uh, you know, uh, amounts of PR that you have to do to counter the idea that you know you're somehow being a fraud for raising money to to want to continue to run your site um you know like is it well worth... no no one no one there was never a problem you have to fundraise it sometimes there's a there's a financial reality that can't be ignored it was fundraising for money to not shut it down then shutting it down and then failing to communicate well i i i think that 
you know, I, I see that time very, very differently. Um, you know, and, and ultimately ownership is ownership and the, uh, you know, the owner gets to do whatever the fuck they want to do, uh, you know, with, uh, with their product at the end of the day. And, um, you know, you can, you can see, uh, open source software as, uh, you know, as, as something that everyone is, you know, contributing to, there's a choice, like everyone has a choice. Uh, and I understand that BG Wiki wasn't around as as an alternative, but there was no alternative. And you know, oops, the community didn't have an alternative to the wiki. And when the guy just who was running it got tired of the abuse from running it and decided not to run it anymore, the only person who was willing to come in and run that site you didn't like. If fandom well, didn't come around to buy them out, do you really think that he would have just, okay, that's it, we shut it down? And there would have been another thing to take its place. They would have had, someone else would have been able to relaunch. Like, if, if if BG goes away, someone could take that and relaunch it as another site. That data exists. It's not like he had to continue doing that and footing the bill and, and sit there. He had the option to pass it off. And even if he shut it down, he would have had the option to give a backup to someone to be able to run on any other, someone else could have taken it, and they would have because that was the only resource at the time. But if he's pissed and that's doesn't not anyone else, he's making it the problem of thousands of people because he's pissed because he's got a few annoying people bothering him. You always have annoying people bother you. There's thousands and thousands of people that him being pissed off impacted. Right, but I mean, if I got pissed off tomorrow and decided I wanted to pull all of the Limit Break radio episodes. Can't stop me from doing that. That's different. That's that's entertainment. It's, that's a show. This it's is not different. It's 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 literally not different because it comes down to ownership. They knew how integral they were becoming and part of the community, and they decided it's, to take. They made this project knowing how important it could be. You don't just be like, we're going to make a wiki that for the community that's going to you know we want it to be good and big and people to use it. You don't just do that from the onset and not know that you can reach the proportions and and the scope that you thought you could have been. You know that that's a possibility when you're going to do it. So to turn around and be like, oh, I'm tired of people bothering me and, and being whiny bitches about it. I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to sell it. The selling it was the problem. He could have passed it off. I don't want to do it. You don't have to keep dealing with it. It wasn't a project to start to profit off of. It wasn't, we're not starting a show. We're not doing this and that. And I mean, I, we're way off on a tangent on this that's gone on way too long. I mean, this is not nostalgia. And I, I didn't think bringing this up would drag us down this hole in this extent. But, um, you know, I I... I think I've said my part. I don't know. I don't, we don't have to see eye to eye on it. We don't at all. I just, you know, I understand a hundred percent where you're coming from. I just have a different way of, of thinking about the, the labor people donate to a cause and seeing it kind of stolen and thrown away. I, I think it was an important lesson for the entire community to not put all your eggs in one basket. And if you wonder why Square Enix intentionally designed a game like Final Fantasy XIV so that community resources like wikis have no fucking purpose whatsoever, this is why. Because people lit their hair on fire and they couldn't figure out how to adjust, and so instead they just got mad. And, and you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but I, I'm, I'm removed enough at this point from the issue and from the community to be able to say like most people on both sides of the fence on this were acting like total fucking children. And that, you know, like 
like again the fact that we you know that we can spend as much time on it as we have in 2021 and you know using using terms like the scars have not healed like the impact of the I, community I, is still there i i mean why why like why let it like dude there's so many there's so many resources you know, like God bless BG for coming in and filling that void. You know, I think that that was was absolutely what was needed at that point. Um, but you know, like I, I'm, I don't know. I, I maybe I just have a, a much more, um, you know, a, a, a basic view on this. But you know, yeah, if 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 a community decides to go out of its way to abuse someone who runs a resource to the point where they go, fuck it, I don't want to deal with any of you assholes anymore. That should say something to the conduct of the community, not to the conduct of the person who decided to up and sell something that they got frustrated with. And yeah, you can have all kinds of, you know, uh, thoughts and opinions about, you know, taking your ball and going home and, you know, oh, you know, what he made had the potential of X, Y, and Z. What he made was like a fucking, you know, a basic wiki page to collect data after he got frustrated that he couldn't find some shit elsewhere. And it grew and it grew and it grew and it grew to the point where, you know, it was consuming more of his life than his job was. And at that point, yeah, you know what? You're allowed to go. Fuck it. I don't want any part of this anymore. You can transition because because and I think and again, this is really important for a community at large to understand. You can push someone away from something that they're passionate about and they love by virtue of the fact that you just keep coming at them and coming at them and coming at them. And you know what? Some people aren't built for that. I I I'm built for that. If you don't like anything that I've said as a part of this podcast, come tweet me at Nate Benderama at LBR Nero. I will argue you into the ground because that's just my personality type. It's what I like to do. I like to get up, brush my teeth, and then argue with the toothbrush about how it didn't do its job good enough. I, okay? I appreciate that because in, in many ways I have that similar tenacity and desire to fight until I can't fight anymore and still fight. So but there are, I get but that. There, there, there are absolutely people who, you know, they go two rounds and they're like, fuck this. It's not worth it. It's not worth the hassle. And, you know, what I've learned in, you know, uh, my time creating podcasts and being a public figure is that you're, you're allowed to take your ball and go home. You're allowed to say that's enough for me, especially for someone who never really wanted to make themselves into a community or public figure who just wanted to create a repository for, you know, information. Um, I think you're allowed that. And especially when you were at, under as much of a microscope as, as Ghani man was, um, you know, even in the, the couple of years running up to that whole incident, like, dude, that guy, that guy got more shit than anyone I've ever known on final fantasy 11 ever. And that's saying something. Like, and I, you know, like it, it, to me, it just, it doesn't, it, it, it's not proportional. The outrage and the shit that still 
comes out when people talk about this is not proportional to what happened. So that's that's the last I'll say on it. Yeah, I, I you know, I'm not going to keep perpetuating it. You know, I, you know, it's it's very understandable where you're coming from. And I, I don't want to sit there and, and try and provide a counter narrative because I, you know, what I had to say, I think, is there and you know yeah we lost fox somewhere in there he just he's i don't know if he dropped out or what happened i've never i don't know where what happened to fox we've never lost fox in a podcast before episode 50 lose fox after the that was the deepest darkest most dangerous rabbit hole i think we have ever had (laughs) that was that was something um because it was you want to take a second see if you can get him back? Ah, uh, I sent him something a couple minutes ago or a minute ago maybe and he his lights off and he's not I don't know what happened to him. Mm. And that's odd because Fox always places out and says see ya. Um but no, I think, you know, in terms of getting back to wrap up nostalgia, I think nostalgia is important for showing a perspective of appreciation of you know, the good times and the bad times that we like to forget uh, in terms oh, yeah. of you Absolutely. know how, how rich the game is and the history and just, you know, as I said, it was all those those bullshit times that stood out. You know, the marble bridge, the, the hide and seek that no one did, you know, those weird those weird things or or the drama that still lives on to this day in the form of, you know, wikis and, and stuff of that nature. Absolutely. So. You know, um, I don't know. We, we, I, I figured we could go 17 hours on nostalgia, and there's a million things that weren't brought up, whether it was, you know, fishing up the Devil Manta or Camping Charybdis or weather for Sirocco Cookery or all this other bullshit, but... Yeah, it, there's there's so much, like, um, you know, God, uh, farming beehive chips or, um, you know, fucking oh God, I, I did that. I did that oh, I too. Totally did too. I totally did too. Both of them. I did farm tree cuttings even when I didn't have a ninja subject. First got my chivalrous chain, my first big purchase for like 200k on Pup. Not by doing assaults for it, of course. I was only like level 50. I had to have my chivalrous chain at level 50 to even level up. I'd be too gimp otherwise. Um, Pup was so weak, you had to have every item. It was just inconceivable not to get an item for a weak job like that. But uh, I farmed gigas as Pup Sub Thief with Gillfinder up in Delkfoot's Tower for days, punching Gigas for like 200-something gil a thing uh, on Pup to get my chivalrous chain. Yeah, um, I remember, uh, you know, like, uh, early early on, the, the, again, the struggles of the uh, economy... Uh, early on when I moved into uh, in, into college and I had met uh, who would later become my co-host on Limit Break Radio, uh, Kahlo, um, he had told me that it was one of our conversations that we would have late at night, but he told me that uh, every uh, one dex equals two accuracy. And at that to. point, I, I this was way after they had made that change where it was every two decks equals one accuracy, right? So yeah, then, they, then they changed it back eventually. And then it's now today is uh three fourths of a, of a dex is an accuracy. Oh my God. Well, you just multiply I, dex times 0.75 is your accuracy. And it rounds down. I, at the time I was rocking two snipers rings, which I had saved up a shitload of guilt. Oh, for. I remember. 
And when he told me that, I sold my sniper's rings for Dex rings. And you can imagine who was a happy fucking camper then. Uh, you? No, it wasn't me. <laughs> it wasn't me at all. No, was no. Furious. How about because doing... the next day was the Gill seller ban. Oh. So the market fucking tanked. Fuck. All right. That doesn't happen anymore, fortunately. I mean, you had those bans, but it wasn't like the crafting market wasn't so congested with with RMTs that you know that the demand or supply of anything would go wildly crazy when the uh, special task force had to get off of his ass and freaking take some action. Yeah, I mean, shit. I used to I used to camp uh, Leaping Lizzie for for uh, you know boots that you could sell back when you could sell. They them. were rare X before they had to make those RMT changes, which I think were frankly good changes because people wanted to get them and selling them was getting people's ways, even if you weren't an RMT. Yeah. Very how true. about how long did it take to get your sniper's rings? Because I remember getting like one, and it was like a it was like a big purchase. It was like five hundred k or something ridiculous. I no okay. Never I probably over exaggerated. I probably didn't have two sniper's rings. I probably had a sniper's ring and then like whatever was like one bump below a sniper's ring that still had accuracy on it. I can't remember what that would have been. Uh, but, yeah. I remember it was um oh man because the sniper's ring was minus dex. There was like a minus evasion one. There's yeah. Like, oh, uh, was it Jaeger's ring? Could have been. That might have even I, been I, the level thirty-ish one. That was like plus two accuracy or something. I don't remember. It might have been Jaeger's ring. It, it was one of those, but it, it it was still it was still like not a cheap item by any by any stretch. I think uh, I had but that it, one. I, I I know that I at least had one sniper's ring. Um, and I think that I God I don't remember how much I had paid for it, but it was in the mills. I know that I know that for sure. Um, cause I had, I had to camp like leaping Lizzie for a couple of weeks. And it was like not long after that, that they ended up making like the rare X change. It depends on the time in the game too. Cause there was massive inflation and deflation at certain points. I think yeah. massive deflation hit in like, Oh, seven, late Oh six or something like that. And like those 50 mil scorpion harnesses, 30 mil scorpion harnesses went down to like, you know, like, like two five you know something something like ridiculous drops down in terms of prices like there was like 700k now or something and everyone's like oh my god my scorpion hearts is worth nothing oh yeah i do remember that yep yep and snipers rings were like that so at one point they might have been worth a mil sometimes going between five seven to a mil depending on the market but back then like because i i just spent 65 mil on the stupid su2 for pup because the gill is so different in this game no one understands what it's like to spend to maybe it's even 500k for the chivalrous chain it was like no one understands what it's like to go kill gigas or gubus or something for freaking 500k to go buy one of these items 200 something yeah. gil i mean it would be thousands of kills of gigas it was it was like the biggest freaking waste of time i've ever engaged in you know besides the many endeavors i engage in but <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah totally i do uh i do god the the endless amounts of farming like i i i always tried to tried to like find cheaper alternatives and like i was never i was never really a a high you know like i never had a whole lot of gill if i wanted something i had to generally farm for it um you know like i had nothing else that like i had no steady way of of making money it was like okay what's hot right now uh oh tree cutting's cool let's do that um 
so yeah, like it, it was, uh, I think in that, in that regard, like I, I w- became frustrated with FF 11 uh, commonly. Cause it was like, I, it was like, I would make two steps forward and one step back. Um, but at the end of the day though, uh, you know, it, it was, uh, you know, it was a much more interesting and active economy to be a part of than any other MMO before, really before since that I've ever played. Um, most other, uh, most other um, MMOs that I've played have always had, you know, some sort of system to uh, put limits on the in-game economy. And what was so interesting about FF11 for, you know, at least half of the time that I played it is that it its economy was mostly unregulated. It was just, you know, go nuts. Um, and it wasn't until, you know, like we had to- like we were talking about the the rare EX change for, uh, you know, certain uh, NM drops that really started to um, make, you know, big changes in in the economy. Uh, and the way that the economy, you know, would uh, would function. Um, otherwise, it was just mostly left to the players, and that that I think was a really fascinating, um, you know, design choice that they made. It's always interesting too because the economy, even to this day, is very, shall we say, odd. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, um, I've noticed that. Although I've spent more gill. Uh, in my recent return to FF11 than I've ever seen in my entire time playing yes. it. So, um, you know, that, 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 you know, guaranteed five to, you know, six and a half mil that you can get um, from, uh, you know, if they, if they allow you to buy uh, heavy metal plates with uh, gallantry that month, like it's that, you know, that has a, a way of uh, really being able to like, you know, make you make you feel like, oh man, a, a full on relic. Uh, you know, afterglowed relic weapon is is something that I might be able to actually feasibly do. And it's nice to have it because now I'm excited to because a lot of them too they change the job's play style. They don't just yeah. make the job do more damage. They change the job's play style. Vajra changes a thief's play style, and that's a very exciting thing if you want to play thief in a certain way or in different ways. Uh, King mm-hmm. Konkin changes. Pups play style even because it's not a full apocalypse. On... Yeah, apocalypse for dark. You can make yourself a, a fucking tanky as shit, and it just changes the way you play it. So it's nice to yeah. be able to have those weapons to do that because before it was like they were looked at as like these uber damage weapons because before you didn't have anything besides the shit you pulled off the auction house because you couldn't afford the HQ, like the Mamashitos or whatever for ninjas at seventy two with stun on them. Those those yeah. bullshit things people crafted up for skill ups and they were an expense so people all ran around using them because they were just good enough for DPS. Like back then, yep. having those weapons, it didn't matter that AM three was one minute and it was bullshit to even get up and it wasn't that impressive. It was just like the weapon itself was so strong because everything else was so weak that people had. As opposed to today, yeah. where ambuscade weapons are you know really strong, but the weapons still change your play style, and that's why it's so exciting to be able to have them. And they apply to different situations. So uh, Dragoon's Polearm for Empyrean, it's not really the best, but there are some random niche times where you'd want to use that because you're so attack-starved for a certain fight, or you're trying to skill chain for a certain fight a certain way, where there's that one out of a thousand times you want it, but that's the play style and the weapon that would be optimal in that situation. 
Yeah, and and sort of to our point earlier, like that's something that is also really unique to Final Fantasy XI, like weapons that literally change how a job functions, right? Like uh, a full Rima bard versus a you know a non full Rima, like it's just it's the the whole playstyle changes, right? Um, so you know that that's that I think that that's something that's incredibly uncommon in MMOs today, which is something that I miss, right? Like that's always been something that's always been the real appeal to Final Fantasy 11 to me, where it's like your gear not only makes a real distinguishable and, and tangible uh, uh, impact on your, on the way that your job plays, but certain pieces will actually change how you end up playing it and there's just not enough of that in in other really in other video games but specifically other mmos so is there anything else we want to round out with here i think we've I think we've covered it all i don't think fox is coming back at this point to to send us off so yeah i i i think uh i think we we just about covered it i f- i feel really bad like did i did I run him off by I just talking? Don't, I don't know if it happened before that. I wasn't looking at the Discord because I do this on, as I said, the laptop for the pre-show. I say, you know, you're like, you have a studio and multiple mics and you didn't even have a mic that didn't have uh, the ability to just be plugged. You don't like have a USB mic. You just have these no. all these fancy pieces of equipment with, with mixers and everything that have to be plugged into, you know, uh, ACDC, you know? Um yeah. And I just said, yeah, I, I pull this Windows 8 laptop out of my nightstand and uh, just do the podcast. But I don't know. As a result, it's one screen is what I'm getting at. So I, I don't yeah. have all this stuff going on. I don't know when we lost him. So I don't know. Maybe it was internet or just maybe we were arguing about the wiki and he dropped out. So, I mean, I'll say right now what I would say to you after the podcast, and I loved having you. It was really great. I'm sorry if uh, the wiki conversation uh, got too heated. Oh no, not at all. Yeah, I see. That's fun shit for me. See, like I don't. In my neck of the woods, it's not the end of the world to do that. Some people can't handle an argument and they go nuts. And it's like I was thinking, like, how far am I going to push this here? I don't want to blow it up to make a point. But it was like I was. I don't think at any point either of us we were we were kind of inflamed, but not. You know, it wasn't like we were angry or upset at any point. So I was fine with it because that's what I felt and that's what I recognized. And I think I was on point there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that's fine. You know, busting balls or anything like that. That's 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 part of you know that's part of a real conversation. So I still appreciate absolutely. that part, even though it wasn't about nostalgia. We do have a million rabbit holes, and I think you were perfect to come on to do the nostalgia topic. And, and you know what? Revisit. Listen, revisiting drama that is over ten years old is nostalgia. So yeah, <laughs> we were we were on topic with that entire time. We were a hundred percent on topic. And you know what? There may be there might be some people who uh, you know picked up this game in 2015 that have absolutely zero idea, no idea what the fuck we're talking about. And hey, um, if you pull up the BG thread and read through that fucking thread that's still there, you know I, I can link it in the description for this. I'm sure I have to because it's not the easiest to find. Oh, please don't. If you if you read that thread <laughs> and then after you hear our argument and then read that thread, I think you'll understand what we just did was pretty much in a more civilized and non-trollish fashion, uh, the exact way that that thread kind of went. Yeah, pretty and much. The, the emotions in, in people. I think that was exactly how that went at the time. Yeah, yeah, I think that's fair. 
Maybe not exact. I mean, there was there was trolling and amusement and a lot of nonsense, but yeah. And uh, and and again, I I had a great time. Uh, thank you I for having too. me on. I uh, I I appreciate the uh, the spirited debate and um, you know a, a stroll down memory lane is always fun. Yeah, it was. Thank you a lot. And uh, I guess I'll give the old fox. Uh, see you guys. <laughs>